are open, and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join us online. Just head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features we'll share with you over there. They're free. A lot of talk shows want to charge you for their websites. Ours is free. Lots of uh, stuff there, including archives of the show that go back for many years. We've got live streaming video. We've got our own chat server. We've got our own social media server. Uh, So check all that out at freetalklive.com. Here tonight, it's Ian. Matt. And Jay. So, uh, Matt, you've been pretty disconnected from the news recently, but one of the big stories in the last, I don't know, two days has apparently been that somebody has leaked a bunch of allegedly secret documents from the Pentagon. Oh. And uh, (laughs) apparently they released them on a Discord server, which is like, for, for listeners that aren't familiar, Discord is like a place where gamers primarily i mean there's other people that use discord but it's like a chat server with the ability to do like a live audio component so you know if you're playing your you know live uh first person shooter game or whatever kind of game you're playing with other people you can s talk people basically directly that was kind of the uh, the original purpose behind them since that time like we used to have a discord server until they shut us down and uh, a lot of crypto People have Discord servers to talk about their topics. Anyway, it's just a place where people chat. It's basically what it is. And somebody on one of these Discord servers has released documents that have now gotten him, well, the alleged uh, person who released this, arrested. And uh, he's likely going to be facing multiple charges in Boston federal court. But according to Al Jazeera here, they've got a rundown of what was in the series of leaked documents that purported to contain highly classified Pentagon intelligence related to the war in Ukraine. The Pentagon has confirmed that the military documents appear to contain sensitive and highly classified information. They've also now come out and said, well, they may not be authentic. And some of the things may be true, but some of the things aren't true in there. So what the reason I'm always hesitant to even look at stuff like this is because this type of thing could easily just be a dog and pony show. Mm-hmm. Not real at all. Nothing like the, the papers probably don't even exist. The guy who got arrested might not even be real. Like none of this has to be real. All of it can be absolute force show to drum up support or remind the american people of the war in ukraine oh you know they're still thinking about it at the pentagon so i should think about it too you know these things should just be anything the government has to do with anything should be cast aside sure well one thing you know is true about wartime is both sides are gonna lie Right. Like that's just a guarantee. You have no idea what's actually going on. The only way you could have some semblance of knowledge to you know know what's happening is to actually be in the war zone. And even then, you still don't really know what's right. happening outside your immediate sphere of influence and people that you trust. Unless you live in the war zone. Right. You're probably a moron for being there in the first place. <laughs> well, or or, or you, a victim. <laughs> you, or you can't get out. Like right. if you're a man in Ukraine and you want to leave, good luck. Right. right. Or if you were, you know, a goat farmer in Afghanistan, 
you know, and all of a sudden all these military guys show up and demand you start growing heroin on your, you know. Yeah, that's right. I mean, property. if you're in the middle of it, there's nothing. Where do you, know, you th- go? Those are the true victims. But yeah. the people who actually show up to those parties. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, well, they're usually the lowest common denominator. It's 100%. Go to jail or go in the military. Yeah, which, then, you know, then they come home and they get jobs as cops. Yeah, or, 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 or bureaucrats. Or bureaucrats. So one of the takeaways here, Al Jazeera's just kind of like got a rundown of some of the alleged information. And according to one of the leaked classified U.S. military documents, said that 97 special forces personnel from NATO countries were active in Ukraine during February and March of this year, which is, of course, not supposed to be happening, right? Like this is... Uh, NATO is funding the war, but they're not supposed to have troops on the ground. Ninety-seven, though. Yeah, it's obviously not a lot, but it's something. And apparently, uh, more than half of the Western special forces are from the United Kingdom. I saw a breakdown of the numbers somewhere, and you know who knows what they're doing. Maybe they're just training the Ukrainians. Maybe they're running, you know, attacks on the uh, the Russians, and that much is not. It could just be CIA and. You know what? What is the whatever the uh, British version of the CIA is? Uh, MI MI five MI six. It could be. Could be. They're expending a lot of very very expensive munitions. They're laundering money. Yeah. They're protecting pedophiles. Um. They're protecting you know human traffickers. They're protecting drug lords, warlords. You know they. This is just typical things that government does. Yep. And they, know, those governments have always loved to get involved with actual human trafficking. And uh, you know back what was it? Uh, I can't remember early 2000s whatever conflict was going on in eastern europe dynecor it was a you know dynecor is one of those government you know contractors with that mercs go work for they got you know blackwater remember blackwater yep. <clears throat> like dynecor blackwater they get they get busted like kidnapping kids and halliburton was halliburton. Uh, very big and actually there's a thing years ago there was something in congress to make it basically make it illegal for any american company to do business with any company that uh, engages in trial trafficking, and it was Halliburton that put the kibosh on that. And, and that <laughs> Whoa, was shocker. Yeah, you know, that was you know probably fifteen years ago or yeah, something. Dick Cheney's company, right? Yep. Yeah, and their big oil exploration. They're mm-hmm. um, but they're military contractors. Even one of the things that was a joke about Halliburton. Uh, a friend of mine was in the National Guard, and she did a lot of time over in Iraq. And um, she ended up dating one of these guys that was uh, a lifeguard, and he worked for Halliburton. He mm-hmm. made like two hundred and fifty k a year. As wow. a lifeguard, just sitting there at a military base, um, at a he, pool, at a pool, <laughs> and then, um, like, but Halliburton got like uh, twenty five thousand dollars per meal that was served for like lunch or dinner or breakfast because mm-hmm. Halliburton did wow. all did all yeah. the like cafe, and it's the same thing with the hospitals. You know, you know, he, here uh, on the states, the um, the prisons, the schools, all these contractors get these you know, glorified, like way overpaid uh, prices for all mm-hmm. the products that are, and, and, and like a lot, of, like the hospitals, for example, there's so much stuff in the hospital. The hospital is charged like 10x what the, um, you know, the, it would be just in a, on a common marketplace. Even when I was on a fire department, uh, there was things that, you know, you, if, if it wasn't like uh, national fire protection, blah, 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 certified or approved, you could buy the piece of the fire truck or the fire hose for like a fraction of the cost, but the same exact thing that rolled off the same assembly line had all the same parts put in it. Um, that was NFPA, uh, you know, was just extreme amount of money. Like Milton Bradley has their own fire department, Hasbro, Milton Bradley. They got a big uh, manufacturing in East Long Meadow, Massachusetts. Hmm. And they bought like the same exact fire truck in like, I don't know, 2003 or something that, that our fire department bought. 
Mm-hmm. And we had a combined training on a truck. We all went down to Milton Bradley, a bunch of guys in the fire department. Mm-hmm. And, um, or they came, we did two different days of training, but they had their own private fire department. And I got to talking to one of the guys and they're like, oh, what do you, what do you mean that truck's $300,000? <laughs> and, and they're like, we paid, you know, 163 or so. Whoa. It was like, all, we're like, all the guys in the fire department were like, what are you talking about? It, it cost half. And they're, and, uh, so the guy who's training us, who drove the fire truck out there from the company, he's like, Oh yeah, uh, uh, municipalities always pay you know you know a whole lot more Damn. because they have to have all these so-called certifications to where the private corporations just like you know send me this truck that pumps water, right? <laughs> you know? Which wow. is a rocket science. You <laughs> That's know, crazy. I well, talk about overspending. I was offered a job in Kandahar in two thousand uh, three or four. Private contractor job. Private contractor um, with Kellogg Brown and Root. Yep. It's a major, it's like another Halliburton. Yeah, they build houses, do oil, and war. Yeah, for and this was food. Yep. Like mm. slinging, you know. Running a kitchen? Me, mess hall stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for a military base? Yep. What yep. were they and offering it, to pay you? It was uh, 130 for four months. Wow. $130,000. for four months, and if you were willing to stay a year, that price went up drastically. Damn. So, and that's 2004. That was a lot of money. You turned then, it down. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I don't want to go over there. They wouldn't let me carry an AK. I mm-hmm. said if I if I go over there, I get to I get to have an AK. And they said no. And they said no. <laughs> Got to rely on the military to yeah, keep yeah, you yeah. safe. Yeah, pass. Yeah, and and my special forces friend Silver Dave said that like on a military base, like all these guys would be you know American military guys in um in Afghanistan. I forget what military base, but they would be walking around with their military issue AR fifteen or whatever, and. Uh, uh, and if you look at it, like a lot of the pictures, a lot of the guys that were carrying AR-15 around had no magazine in them. They I know, weren't allowed. To, they weren't allowed to have live ammunition because because they're all idiots. And, you know, uh, you know, as far as Silver Dave's concerned, you know, they, these guys were like, you know, they you just can't trust them. Well, no, they just like you just really can't train idiots how to like be have good muzzle discipline and right, trigger discipline right. is basically the bottom line. And we know some of those guys that that are like that. Definitely, you know? I was going to say I, I've known lots of yep. those. Um, there was, a, I used to go to the, my shooting range every Tuesday night, like clockwork. And one time at, at some point, these cops started showing up like off duty cops mm-hmm. and they were there and I think they'd been drinking and stuff and they were there to oh, shoot great. and they were just like muzzle flagging me left and right. Whoa. And I know I'm like eight bays away, but you know, there's well, still, you know, it's like, Hey, you want to watch her? Sorry, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, Brad. You know, there's a magical thing that police have and it, and it, and it leads to, um, you know, irresponsibility. It's called uh, qualified immunity. Qualified immunity. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I don't know if they would have them if they were off duty. Off duty. You'd be yeah. surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll make stuff. They'll make stuff work. For but they're just so and... used to getting away with whatever. Sure. And they have getting yeah. away with it for generations. Yeah. All I just stopped employees. going on Tuesdays. I just sure. didn't go there anymore because I know they're going to be there. They're going to be absolute morons because they are. They're not going to be morons. They are morons. So there's no mm-hmm. chance that they're not going to be morons when they're when I'm there. And, and, and drunk. Have, and we have yeah, it, and they're drinking. Yeah. We have evidence of this that, uh, for example, um, what is it? Uh, down in Connecticut, there was these two guys that were buddies, and they went to police academy together. They went to you know criminal justice college, and uh, Ernie Hancock tells the story really well. But what happened is um, the two guys uh, uh, they apply for the Connecticut State Police, and the one guy who's like kind of the dumber of the two gets a job, and the mm-hmm. other guy gets uh, rejected. So he's, what do you mean you get rejected? And Basically, what they told him that his IQ was too high, and he actually sued the Connecticut State Police over this. And you know, this is probably. I five. thought that was New London. No, no, no. 
Well, no, New no. London was a New London was a different thing. New London was a uh, New London an was eminent, where Kilo was, but thing. I think it was also New London where maybe it's state police as well. But there was like there was some state or there was some policing organization in Connecticut that was exactly Are what you you're sure? talking about. See, I, you're was, t- I I know the same story, but I know it about Georgia. It's probably uh, true in a lot of places. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, but it's some. some like you state- couldn't be more than 120 IQ or something well, like some- that. His IQ was too high. Yeah, and I, I don't know if he was a state trooper, but he ended up suing the state of Connecticut because mm-hmm. um, this was like a state policy. Did he lose? Uh, yeah, I believe he did. Actually. The one, in, the one in Georgia lost. Yeah, I believe because he, he was trying to become a state trooper and he smoked all the exams. Obviously, he just chewed them up, spit them out, and. Uh, and they refused to hire him on the basis that his IQ was too high. He was too smart. And and the thing is, is you know, smart people are gonna like you know m- probably under- understand right from wrong, uh, you know. And you start getting people too smart, and smart people start asking questions and challenging yeah. things. And yeah, morons are just uh, you know they want automatons. Yeah, that's what they gun for. Yep. You know they want automatons that are good at team sports. Order takers. Yep. And, and now we got a uh, you know a, a whole army of algorithmic slaves. You know, kids that are, you know are old enough to vote, old enough to be cops that have been looking at internet devices ever since they were born, and their brains literally got rewired, and uh, they're and that's going to be a a massive issue coming up here. We're already starting to see it, uh, just with the you know algorithmic slaves uh, that that we got going on. The story is from New London. Robert Jordan, who was a 49-year-old college graduate, scored a 33 on an intelligence test. Now that's not IQ. It's just whatever test they're issuing their candidates uh, that he took as part of the application process to become a police officer in New London, Connecticut. That meant that Jordan had an IQ of 125. However, the average score for police officers was 21 to 22 or effectively an IQ of 104. New London would only interview candidates who scored between 20 and 27. So Jordan sued the city, alleging discrimination, but the Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New York upheld that it was not discrimination because New London Police Department applied the same standard to everyone who applied to be a cop there. So they weren't discriminating. (laughs) They weren't discriminating against him specifically. They're discriminating against anyone over the IQ of whatever. So so what the court's saying is it should be a class action lawsuit. I guess so. But there isn't. How many people uh, will be in the class is the question. Yeah, good. Right. Uh, ABC News reported back then uh, that, quote, those who score too high could get bored with police work is the supposed claim and leave soon after undergoing costly training. But the reality is what you said, Jay. It's like they don't want thinkers. They want idiots. Yeah. They want order followers, people who are not independently minded. And uh, dude apparently went on to just become a corrections officer. After that, wow, wow, you know, I I know a guy. He comes from a family full of well, the whole family actually. They're all like super, super intelligent. All all Mensa to the moon. Their mother was a special ed teacher, and she's just absolute rocket science scientist as well. And they could all do whatever they wanted to. One of the kid, one of the kids actually grew up to work at NASA, and I think he worked there like ten years. But he ended up leaving and becoming like a preschool teacher or something. Didn't make any sense. And the rest of them work at gas stations selling lotto mm. tickets and stuff. Wow. And it's like, what do you? What, what's wrong with these? Wasted. People? Wasted. It's mm-hmm. like they. It's like they're they're aggressively wasting their abilities. You know, I don't. I don't know why they I, do that. I know a couple of guys. Like I know one guy. He's an electrical engineer and. You know, he could be making, you know, easy 250, 300 a year, like working in a power plant or something, or, you know, he's very valuable, but he, he's just like, I'm not working in a parasite economy. 
you know, he's a he's actually a free stater. He's here, mm. uh, and he's uh, yeah, and he he works for silver. You know, he's like nice. I'll, I'll I'll work for uh, uh, an ounce of silver per hour. That's you great. Know, has been his rate. Yeah. And uh, and 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 he's you know he's a super smart dude. He's he, he could, but like in a corporate world, he could kill it. And he just he hates that whole yeah. all that stuff. He's probably been there before. He, he while he was that's what that's where he was going. You know, he went to engineering school and um, got close enough to know that it wasn't for him. Uh, basically, just started like uh, uh, talking to people that like these, uh, you know, um, where all the big corporations, you know, have like these expos where they try to get new yeah, high, job and, fairs. headhunters and job fairs and. And then uh, talking to some, you know, college uh, or university alumni about stuff. And they're like, they're like, and, and the guys are like, oh, yeah, they're just going to get you hooked to the dollar and they will work you. So you will do nothing but work for them. But and they will pay you tons of money. But that's all you're going to do. And, you know, he's going to have a hard time finding a wife that, you know, you know, with a, you know, when you when you work 80 hours a week and, you know, raise a family and stuff like that. So, yeah, he just walked away from it. So we're going to put a uh, little bit more information about these military leaks, according to Al Jazeera. I'm not going to go through the whole story, but one other uh, takeaway is they show, if proven authentic, which is going to be hard to do because the military has no reason to uh, you know, admit this, uh, but they show that the U.S. had been monitoring Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's phone calls with defense and military officials. They also reveal apparent weaknesses in the Ukrainian air defense systems and the size of military battalions. And then the New York Post has an update that they have arrested 21-year-old Jack Texera, who is a Air National Guardsman, for being the alleged leaker, according to... Go ahead. A couple of things. First off, everybody's phone calls are monitored. Zelensky should know this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no getting around it. Everybody's phone calls are monitored. And this 21-year-old guy, this seems like one of these cases where like, you could dump some internet files... And just frame anybody, right? Just make you know, just figure out what their MAC address is on their computer, or or what their router, you know, thing. And it's just so easy to just make it look like somebody. It's, yeah. Same thing with child. They picked porn. a kid, and they yep. said, "This is our guy." Because how did an Air National Guardsman who's twenty one years old get a hold of classified Pentagon files in the first place? I mean, I don't think Could they're have been by accident. Well, but, you know, who knows? Or set up. But it what he the. Uh, I think that what they're saying is he didn't he didn't come across him by part of his job, right? Like he's in the Air National Guard, and yet he's got sensitive <laughs> yeah. uh, Pentagon that's information. Pretty, that's pretty iffy, right? Yeah. So they arrested him at his mother's house on Thursday after being implicated in the disclosure of dozens of sensitive U.S. intelligence documents to an online community devoted to video games and guns, which is being described as the biggest national security breach in at least a decade Law enforcement officers swarmed the home in North Dighton, Massachusetts, about 20 miles east of Providence, Rhode Island, hours after multiple reports sketched out Texera's key role in a Discord channel called Thug Shaker Central, where the files first popped up (laughs) earlier this year. (laughs) News helicopter footage showed Texera clad in red basketball shorts and a gray t-shirt surrendering to camo-clad FBI agents even brought out the Bearcat uh, to take this kid down, of course, according to the uh, the video and the images that have come out, he will be facing likely charges connected to quote unauthorized removal, retention, and transmission of classified national defense. Yeah, just pick any old poor schmuck who can't afford. You know, stay away from the military. Don't join those idiots. Don't go. Don't go anywhere near that. You might be the next patsy. You might be that. They'll do whatever they want to you. The the treatment of military people in this. Uh, it's probably all countries. I mean, they've always been pawns of a king. 
always like go back to the Greeks. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the king of Greece or whatever they had is definitely going to have his way with somebody below him. Just if, if it's politically convenient to do so or, you know, if it's expedient for some goal of theirs, they're going to sack one. You know, it's just sacrifice sure. upon. Have no problem doing that. Why would you ever, ever go near such people? Because you're brainwashed to worship them, you, it, mm-hmm. because it, it, it all is cult mentality. You're, you're doing poor, what you're instructed to do. You know, it's not. It's worth being poor. Go live in a car, starve to death. It's way better than doing. You know, <laughs> it's way better than the twenty grand a year starve in a, to death you know, in, the in a Camaro. States. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody would ever starve to death that has uh, any work ethic whatsoever and isn't totally mentally ill. Because mm-hmm. I know plenty of people who got poor work ethic that work just enough to make money and take care of themselves. I know plenty of people who would be considered mentally ill who work and make money and take care of themselves. So, like, you know. <laughs> Apparently, he did have some sort of role due to a responsibility for ensuring network protection. So he may have had some kind of a systems analyst uh, job in the Air Force or the Air National Guard. Uh, but they say here an anonymous defense official said he would have had a higher level of security clearance, but still questions are to be asked about how such a young service member, not even an intelligence analyst, could have had access to that sensitive information. Uh, According to the story here, he was in this Thug Shaker Central Discord channel, which the Washington Post reported was populated by about two dozen hardcore fans of a YouTube content creator known as Oxide, who's an army soldier who reportedly started making videos of game clips as a teenager before transitioning to reviews and showcases of weapons, ammo, and body armor, uh, including, uh, let's see, told the Washington Post he banned several users from his main Discord, including the denizens of Thug Shaker Central, more than a year ago for annoying habits, including posting racist comments, as well as a meme video taken from a gay porn film that gave the Splinter Group its name. So, I mean, it just sounds like your typical, you know, video game dorks uh, on the internet here, but one of them is now in custody and I, facing charges. I like that the thugs have gotten sh- so shaken they had to bring out their... Um their tanks to this residential sure neighborhood did. and raid this guy. So if this guy did actually steal some um, some documents or did actually leak some, uh, that's some great thug shaking on his, uh, his <laughs> <That's right. laughs> All right, we got more coming up here. You can join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Coming up, the San Francisco Whole Foods is closing down just one year after opening. Why? Well, if you've seen any of the news coming out of San Francisco about the retail thefts going on, you might have some clue. It's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com.
It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. You can bring up anything you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Coming up, Whole Foods Market closing down. One of the largest supermarkets in downtown San Francisco because of safety issues. Hmm. Of course, it's the same place where the Cash App founder just got murdered. Oh, I heard about that. Uh, recently in San Francisco. We can talk about that. Plus, uh, Walmart closing down their Chicago Superstore as well. Uh, but let's go to your phone calls and thoughts. It's Ian, Matt, and Jay in the studio here tonight. David is on the line in Georgia. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hey, uh, guys. This this leaker, the supposed Discord leaker from the these documents or whatever. Yeah. Um, quite frankly, if he did do it, praise him. Good. Um, because the government doesn't need secrets from the people. I'm sorry, but that's how you get tyrants. Sure. Uh, I don't know if it was really that worth it. I mean, because apparently like some of the, like the troop locations allegedly, right. That they, they had, these are, already out of date you know troops move yeah so something right. that came out two weeks ago or whenever it was whenever it was dated for early march or and something russians like that. have satellites that can image the earth in the moment they can tell where people are yeah so like uh right. you know i guess the the big the biggest takeaway that i saw was the allegation that there were actually nato troops in ukraine i don't think anybody's potentially too surprised to discover that but that was probably one of the bigger points. Well, we all knew that was going to happen, I think. I mean, yeah. anybody paying attention. And, you know, this um, – and, and two, so they're going to be taking from this, I would imagine, like, oh, if any of this had, like, any of the money laundering. Now, I did hear something – I don't know if it applies to this – that, like, they over, they were basically saying that they killed, like, 200,000 Russian soldiers, but – through this leak, there's like very few Russian soldiers were killed. They've kind of lied about a lot of the numbers. Mm, I've heard it's it was seven to one. I heard okay, that yep. uh, there's seven Ukrainians killed for every one Russian soldier killed. But who knows what the truth is? Well, you have a trained military going up against idiots who are gathering on the side of the road with their guns and standing yeah, around. Russia is also uh, conscripting as well. So oh, anyway, are they? You got kind of a, a messed up situation on both sides. Why would that but, doesn't make any sense to me? Why would they why would they conscript? They've been doing it. They've been conscripting people. What do you mean uh, by conscripting? Uh forcing people into military service. Oh, okay. Yeah. But so is Ukraine. So, you know, same things. At least that's my understanding. That's why they're not letting males leave uh Ukraine. You can't leave if you're like under the age of 60. My god. Yeah, they're not going to let you out cuz they might need you to tote a gun for the government essentially yeah if i was told that i couldn't leave i would be gone <laughs> later sure i imagine the border is fairly porous for those that are willing to uh to make a run for it but i don't know be interesting to hear stories about people who've you know successfully gotten out of there so david uh you know this guy who knows what the punishment's going to be for this but i suspect he's going to be facing multiple felony counts i mean he may spend oh, uh, a good portion of his adult life in prison uh over this and really, I mean, did we really get anything that was that useful out of it? I mean, this is an Edward Snowden level leaking here. This is just some kid who thought he was going to be cool to his buddies on a Discord server. Allegedly. Right, allegedly. Yeah, and if, and if he really did do this, the one mistake he made was not going to Russia first. Well, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, also, he's in the military, so he's probably not you know particularly wealthy to be able to easily travel to Russia. Another mistake he made was using Discord, which of course is a centralized system that is run by a corporation. Yeah, that wasn't very smart. And uh, they have IP address logs. They have logs of all of your acti- activities there. Even quote unquote private messages are obviously not private. If you're running the Discord company, they can go in there and they can provide that information to any law enforcement uh, that gives them a subpoena. So I suspect that's what happened here was they got a warrant and Discord turned over all the data about whoever the hell it was that posted this information on their server and all the logs. Yeah, it's almost like just boom, they show up with guns. Yep, and the Bearcat. There's got to be an anonymous way to do this. I don't really know off the top of my head. Yeah, just contact WikiLeaks. What's that? It's called Tor. Sure, Tor, the Onion Router, that is one way that you can anonymize yourself online, although it's obviously not perfect because they are able to go after darknet market websites over time. So somehow they are able to de-anonymize some things on Tor, and it's never really been revealed how they're able to do that. Uh, but they do have yeah, that ability. Over, over time, it's it becomes a lot easier because over time, mistakes pile up. You You give a little... A little thing here and a little thing there and a little thing in this other place. And over and then they time, got those, mis- those little tiny mistakes add up. Mm-hmm. But if it's just like a one-and-done type deal, the likelihood of getting found by using Tor is not particularly high. I think what you'd want to do is reach out to WikiLeaks, which is like the prime place where people give information of value to, right? Like leaked information, Chelsea Manning. You know, you, There's been so many different people that have done this. And uh, they have ways, right? Like they they have tried and true methods, and I suspect Tor is one of them. They I, they probably have a Tor website or some sort of submission system where you can submit content to WikiLeaks, and you know that it's going to them. So they're the you know they're a trusted party on the other end, not just some schmoes on a on a Discord server which could be infiltrated by by anybody. So, you know, then you know who the receiving party is and you know you're at least sending it through some sort of an anonymized system. That would seem to be the safest way to do it. Then WikiLeaks can just do their thing and post whatever they think is the most damning information or the full files or whatever to their pages and such. So and then you know, WikiLeaks would be protected, at least to some extent. Obviously, it didn't protect Julian Assange, but they always go after the face, right? Like they always go after whoever it is that is the head or the perceived head of an organization like that, but WikiLeaks has more than just Julian Assange. They've got a staff, I presume mostly anonymous staff at this point. It's highly risky to de-anonymize yourself if you're working in the in the area of WikiLeaks. So good advice there, David. Anything else you want to share? Nope, that's it. All right, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate it. So, uh, Jay, you say you haven't seen any of the, the insanity coming out of uh, San Francisco. Not real. I just been hearing about it because I just don't really watch any videos. But I've been hearing about like um, Oregon has closed down, like some some coffee shops have closed down. One coffee shop that they were talking about, I believe, it was oh Portland, yeah, Portland, Oregon, and uh, like they're like, oh, we even did um, <clears throat> de-escalation training for our for our uh, our our um, employees, and we and we gave them hazard pay. But we just can't get anyone to come into the uh, coffee shop anymore, so wow. we have to close it down because it's just basically just straight up violence. It's all these leftist cities with these, you know, leftist politicians uh, is basically where all the violence is happening. Yep, and Everywhere. a ton of junkies on welfare. Yep, junkies on welfare. They're, they're prosecuting crimes 
Like, like, well, they're, they're not. That's the thing. Well, they're prosecuting right wing crimes. They're prosecuting like there's a guy in Houston, Texas. He got convicted of murder. He's an Uber driver. I, I can't remember all the things about it, but uh, he um, or Austin, Texas, one of those Texas cities. Mm-hmm. And he was an Uber driver. And because he said on some uh, social media post, uh, I'm going to have to, you know, uh, I might have to kill someone driving Uber because every, because these pe- the the people are getting so bad. And he got into some kind of Antifa thing where a guy basically walks up to him with an AR-15 low ready, and they're like hitting his car and stuff. And he mm. this dude, this Uber driver, pulls out a revolver and shoots him, and he gets he got convicted of murder. And I guess the governor said that the governor is going to pardon him as soon as the governor is able to. Uh, I've heard about that? Yeah, yeah. So, but it, and this is going and so they're not. They're not going after people in any of these uh, cities uh, for, um, you know, actual crimes, but they're definitely going after, well, they're going after my wife for childhood endangerment, for mm-hmm. leaving the, uh, my daughter securely, safely in a car for about 15 minutes. And she's being charged with a, um, you know, a, a whatever a class, I can't remember the, the, the you Some know, kind the of mis- misdemeanor. Misdemeanor. Um, and, uh, and, and, and they're like, Oh, well, we'll take a plea bargain. You plead guilty, pay us $500 and take these 10 classes. And, uh, and, and meanwhile, there's, you know, a guy who's like, you know, beats his girlfriend who's drunk and, and they're like, oh yeah, we'll, uh, we'll dismiss, we'll lower this to some other kind of thing for a hundred dollars. And, you know, and there was an actual victim there. Mm-hmm. And just like today I heard on the radio that in between Massachusetts and Connecticut, uh, there was uh, these seven guys were going around robbing catalytic converters, and they were so good at it, they were like a NASCAR pit crew. They could steal wow. a catalytic converter in a minute. So some catalytic converters, like uh, a a, a two thousand like like uh, nine diesel pickup truck with a DPF and a catalytic converter on it, you know those things are worth like about eighteen hundred bucks just to scrap. Mm-hmm. And these guys are like buzzing them off in a minute. That's crazy. And they're like, and they will face up to ten years in prison. Uh, and, and there's got 461 like victims, you know, mm-hmm. all, all these crimes and, you know, and, and then, and then, uh, they're going to get 10 years in prison for it. Maybe, you know, that that's the maximum <laughs> they could get. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell, you know, you, you know, you got the crypto six where a bunch of these guys are facing, you know, a lifetime sentence. You got got, you know, no victim, sure. no injured party. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and it's like, you know, the real crimes are sort of going unnoticed. Uh, they're the, the, but George Soros backed prosecutors, you know, there's an agenda here and it's to do to start a culture war totally and, uh, destroy America and take it down. Well, what's happened in uh, California and I, I've heard it may be true in some of the other Western border States like Washington and, and Oregon, but I've not ever confirmed that, but I know it's true in California at least where there's apparently been a uh, change to where they're just not enforcing. And maybe it's just in some of the cities, but the prosecutors are just not enforcing theft unless it's like grand theft level. Like you have to go above, I think it's several hundred, if not $900. 900 is the number I heard for uh, Portland. In in theft in order for them to bother prosecuting. So what you have as a result of that are these uh, thieving rings that essentially are like big criminal organizations, apparently. We've read stories about this in you know recent history. So you've got like a gang who will essentially pay homeless people, people, you know, junkies, people who have absolutely nothing to lose, people who probably wouldn't mind going to jail and getting three square meals a day and a cot to sleep on. And methadone. Yeah, right? So they they get these homeless people and they say, look, you go into CVS or Whole Foods or whatever – 
you steal a bunch of shampoo or whatever other items you can just shove in a, a backpack or a, a sack and then you come you bring them to us we pay you pennies on the dollar and then the gang will then resell those items online for instance there's a lot of this stuff showing up on like facebook marketplace right (laughs) ebay etsy (laughs) so they sell the items at lower than what they will retail for and they make a bunch of money and the homeless person takes all the risk and they make a little bit of money and that's apparently how these things uh have been working and so the video that you'll see is just absolutely insane of people just waltzing into cvs or walgreens or something like that scooping products off a shelf shoving them in a bag and then walking right out the the door with absolutely no consequences uh whatsoever and in some of these videos i i as i've listened to the commentary of like uh you know luke radowski i listen to his show almost Mm -hmm. daily and he talks about this stuff but i never watch his show just listen to it yeah and uh so He's like, oh, yeah, and the security guard standing right there. He's yep. like, you know, just the guy just walks right by him with a trash bag full of whatever he just Anything. cleaned off the shelf. Yep. You know? And that's why they're now starting to lock up more and more items. It's getting to the point where if you just want a tube of toothpaste, you know, a $4 tube of toothpaste, you got to go and talk to a clerk. That's crazy. To come and open up the, you know, the shelving so you can actually get access uh, to the products. So that's a super hassle for the customer. It is. And it's a super hassle for, you know, the employee. It Big just time. really slows down production. So from a customer standpoint, you're like, all right, I need to go get my toothpaste from CVS. And then, you know, and then the guy's like, oh, I got to go unlock it. I got to find the key. You know, let's go do this. That makes a huge incentive for that customer just to buy go it from Amazon. Exactly. Or exactly. So like all the legit customers are going to start doing what you're talking about and just not even bother going into these stores, especially if they can encounter some psycho, that you too, know, yeah. some drunken, uh, crazy drug ad- a drug addled uh, loser who's just in there stealing stuff and might stab you if he thinks you're getting in the way. You know, you don't have that problem when you're mail ordering from uh, from Amazon or whatever. So that's probably one factor as to why Whole Foods Market is closing down at 8th and Market Streets in downtown San Francisco. The story from sfstandard.com, they're going to be closing down at, uh, let's see, the close of business Monday, just little more than a year after the store opened, wow. according to company officials. Quote, we're closing our Trinity location only for the time being, said a Whole Foods spokesperson in a statement saying further, if we feel we can ensure the safety of our team members in the store, we will evaluate a reopening of our Trinity location. So now they got to fire all those people that they just trained. And where are they going to go? Well, they're going to put them on hold. You're they're not, gonna, you're not gonna, fired. We may be reopening again. They're going to pay him the whole time? I uh, No, of course no, not. They're fired. Yeah, they're, not. Yeah, it's not like they're getting administrative leave, like a co- you know, paid administrative leave. Like yeah, a they're done. they got to go find another job. <laughs> well, if I take your hours from 14 a week down to zero, you haven't been fired. You've just been temporarily. Yeah, I get that. But they're essentially, yeah. they're jobless. They're yes, out of luck. Correct. They're going to have to find new jobs. Yeah, sure. after all the stuff they went through to get the job and to train for the job yeah. and learn everything they need to know about the job and really get into it. And now they don't have a job at all. And that sucks. But who in San Francisco could even afford to work at a place that's only going to pay you like, I don't know how much Whole Foods pay. Let's say they're paying 15 bucks an hour. Are they paying that much? I mean, I bet you it's more in San I Francisco. But, okay. That. I don't know. I mean, what do you got to make in San Francisco? You know, I think you got to make a hundred bucks an hour yeah. if you need, you know, yeah. to uh, pay rent or whatever. But it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to cost them more money to run the store. I mean, already Whole Foods is an expensive place to go shop. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's plenty of. You know, people in San Francisco who could afford that, 
but the uh, you know the statement that they can't keep their team members safe working at this store is really revealing about the situation that they have found themselves in in downtown San Francisco, where a City Hall source told the Standard the company cited deteriorating street conditions around drug use and crime near the grocery store as a reason for its closure. Since the start of the pandemic, downtown has suffered a massive loss in foot traffic due to remote work. Many small businesses have shuttered, while examples of extreme poverty, drug use, and mental illness on the street have become more apparent. Fears of a, quote, doom loop in which a cascade of negative financial impacts compound have spread across the city, and City Hall officials currently expect a nearly $800 million deficit in San Francisco's budget. I mean, this place is a disaster. And we saw the stories about the small businesses closing during the COVID lockdowns. Because remember, San Francisco was the worst. It was one of the most locked down cities. They were one, I believe they were the first to do a total like serious lockdown where you people were not allowed out of their house yeah. with very few exceptions. Unless you were Miss Pelosi going to get your hair done. Sure, right. yeah. But uh, you know, all those cities are like that out there. All those leftist run cities are you know, I'm not saying that a right wing no, I am. A right-wing-run city would be a lot cleaner. You'd have a lot. They tend to keep their hands out of, you know, out of business. And they just let people run business. And when you do that, you have a healthier economy. So right-wingers, for all their religious zealotry and stuff, they, they the economy tends to be slightly better under Republican or conservative administration. But that said, all the cities out west are insane. We were in, I was in Southern California recently. L.A. is it's always been bad, but this was like real bad. I go to Seattle on a somewhat regular basis. Mm-hmm. Every time I go out there, I, I've never seen that many homeless people. If you want to see homeless people, go to Seattle. Just all over the place. It's, it's not like a, one street. Dude, it's 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 a tent city that runs for miles and miles. You get, you get out of the airport, you get out of SeaTac, the airport, and you drive into downtown Seattle. Every single bridge and underpass is just a tent city and wow. it goes there's got to be hundreds of thousands of ho- and they're on every corner panhandling every corner and up and down every street the all over downtown there's like winnebago's like old beat up winnebago's with like ac in the window <laughs> so they're like they're like the wow. not quite homeless people but they're based essentially homeless people mm-hmm. and you know just then you get down to like the lower class homeless people and they just got like a blue tarp and just living on the street, living, right out on right. the main drags. That not really. It's not really on the main drags. Like if mm-hmm. there's grass, you got to remember Seattle's a very green city. There's a lot okay. of trees and stuff. But if there's a bridge or an underpass, yeah, That's it's it's at. just rains a lot. So anywhere they can mm-hmm. be out of the rain, out of the rain. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's literally like one tent six inches from the next four miles. Wow, never seen anything like it. Well, and so during COVID, San Francisco was cracking down. Right. And so businesses were closing mom and pop businesses that were having a tough time before well, we saw it to an extent in other places. It happened a little bit around mm-hmm. here. Some businesses closed yep. uh, any business that was on the edge. You know, you're barely making enough money to pay the employees and get the power bill yep. paid at the end of the month. You were done. Done. Right. And so that meant more business for the mega corporations, which, again, this was a trend we saw in a lot of p- places, but it was accelerated. It was worse in san francisco you combine that with the fact that you've got people who are like all right i can work remotely now (laughs) there's no reason to stay here where if you if you ever looked at like housing prices in san francisco 
the rent is insane if you're going to pay rent. The buying of a house, like you could pay $300,000 if it were available and you could get a shack. I'm not exaggerating, right? Like you can look at the the uh, real estate sites. I mean, literal shacks going for half a million dollars. Yep. Yeah, there was uh, there was one I looked at a while ago. Uh we were just, you know, I was my um <clears throat> friend of mine was talking about San Francisco and I'm like just, you know, started looking at like some uh online real estate listings things and it was like carriage house, six hundred and fifty thousand dollars, twelve hundred and thirteen square feet. And basically what it was was it was like on a strip I had like a little uh, right away strip through another property because it was originally the carriage house of somebody else's house of of yeah. somebody else's house yeah. and like all the videos of the care of of the uh, all the pictures of the carriage house like <clears throat> I don't even think you could park like a full size pickup truck in a driveway <laughs> I, I, but like all the other houses were like right next to it like I don't think yep. like you could you'd have to suck your gut in to walk between the carriage house and the other you know in the For other 650, house six hundred and fifty thousand yeah and the thing was on you know whatever you know square footage of land which is like you know nothing it was yeah. like 2200 square foot of land and like a 1200 <laughs> square foot and and then they're like oh something about a right away um convenient compact car parking and yeah it's just ridiculous well you know what's that they say about socialism i don't know who said it but i'm sure i'm just going to be paraphrasing it here but essentially you know you tax people to the extent that they uh eventually the productive class is going to leave if they're free to leave they're going to leave as long as there's not some sort of uh fence and barbed wire preventing them from leaving they're out so eventually atlas will shrug so when uh a lot of these companies told their staff in san francisco yeah you guys can work remotely a lot of them just said great I'm going to move somewhere else where I don't have to pay a $3,000 to $5,000 a month or yep. whatever the hell the rent is out there. I can have the same job that I had before in San Francisco. Now, some of them, I think, did adjust the rates that they were paying people who, who left eventually. But uh, they don't have to live in a place where they might get stabbed in the streets right. or you know, constantly being panhandled or whatever. So you got the productive people are leaving San Francisco. You got mom and pop businesses are closing. You know, those people are leaving too, right? You had to close it, your, your business. You're and out. they should. I mean, the bottom line is get the heck out of the cities, people. Yeah. Get out to the land. Get out to the country. The cities are very, very dangerous. So don't, who's left? I, 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 I prefer that the city people just stayed right. Yeah, the city. stay there. <laughs> well, so, but who's left that's going to want to shop at Whole Foods? Right, you, you're losing business owners. You're losing high class uh, workers from tech companies or whatever. They're moving out. Who's going to go and spend God knows how much for organic strawberries at Whole Foods? It's certainly not a junkie, right? So you know that's. They're closing the store, and it's they're citing the safety of their employees. It's also the economics as well. I wonder, how, like in that particular Whole Foods, how many people just go in there and just grab a thing of just, organic strawberries, just stealing it, walk around, it. eat them, yeah. go use the bathroom, leave. Right. Well, you know what's anybody that, gonna do to them? That's they're not talking about that here, but that's you absolutely that's a factor. Happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one idea recently floated to confront the crisis, according to sfstandard.com, is converting vacant downtown office space into thousands of units of student housing. The beleaguered grocery store on Market Street slashed its operating hours due to high theft and hostile visitors in October of last year. It's like, all right, well, we're not going to stay open past sundown. Jesus. Right? Uh, according to their managers, and in November, the store enforced new bathroom rules after syringes and pipes were found in the restroom. The market takes up 64,000 square feet, and the company called the neighborhood location its flagship store in their press release announcing its opening in March of 2022. So 
you know, my wife goes shopping uh, at a Whole Foods once in a while, mm-hmm. only for a couple of things. But like, you know, local market basket, she'll go in there and she'll take the two kids, you know, the three-year-old and the 19-month-old into the bathroom, change a diaper, you know, a three-year-old sure. potty trained or, you know, maybe, maybe the wife's got to use the bathroom. Um, yeah, I don't think uh, we would be returning to a store if like we go in there and, you know, my toddler picks up a needle, a needle right. or, 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 or even we see one that they can, you know, touch or whatever. Some junkie stumbles out of the uh, the nearby stall and starts har- harassing your wife. You're not yep. there to say anything about it. Uh, there's more coming up here. The number is 603-283-6160. If you want to comment on the closing down of the San Francisco Whole Foods, it's not just San Francisco, though. There's more coming up. Free Talk Live. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Kicking off the second hour here. You can bring up whatever you want. The number... It's 603-283-6160. Coming up, Jay's going to tell us about a major milk farm, a cattle farm with uh, milking kind of... Dairy farm. Yeah, dairy farm. Thank you. Uh, that apparently burned down. We'll talk about that on the way. Exploded. Since we're talking about food-related things, the San Francisco Whole Foods closing down. Whole Foods claims it's going to be temporary... Until they can figure out how to uh, guarantee the safety of their employees. Well, that's, that's not that's not going to be temporary. It doesn't sound like it because, well, it's California, so you can't let your, you know, they're not going to let your employees uh, tote guns because the people of San Francisco, like, even if that were legal, the people of San Francisco don't want to see that, right? Because they're a bunch of liberals, and so they certainly would not be okay with Whole Foods having gun-toting employees. Every time I open carry in Whole Foods in Bedford, uh, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. security follows me around. Wow. <laughs> Every time. That's crazy. I'm, I'm like, hey, guys, you want, somebody want to push a cart for me? I go in there. I got <laughs> two kids with me. And I'm like, really? You think I'm a problem? <laughs> wow. Uh, so we can continue that discussion. Calls are on the line, though. I do want to say thank you to Robin Mock, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program. Robin is a gold level uh, supporter, which means she's doing 10 bucks a month to help us advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live. So if you appreciate the work that we do here and you want to help us uh, support the mission of spreading the ideas of peace and liberty and crypto and uh, alternatives to the violent status quo that we have here, then please join Robin over at amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. You can sign up there via our Patreon. There's you know debit card, credit card, 
I believe PayPal as well. So choose your option that suits you the best over at uh, amps.freetalklive.com. It's amps.freetalklive.com. By the way, Robin's doing twice what we ask. We only ask for five bucks a month, so you can do that. Hi, Bob, Robin. I definitely appreciate it. Let's talk to Major Payne. He's on the line in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live, Major. Hey, guys. Hey. Yeah, um, I don't remember which one of you that commented on the uh, cities on out west going just totally back crazy, mm-hmm. you know, San Francisco and all them. You, you need to say all the way out west because this side of the Rockies, sanity still exists. I mean, you got all these George Soros elected uh, district or prosecuting attorneys, and uh, you know the homeless are not prosecuted for any of their crimes. That's only a short twenty years ago. If you were homeless, and especially living in a northern climate, you'd go throw a brick through somebody's window to get thrown in jail for three months. Mm-hmm. So you got three hots and a cot, right? Yeah, well, that's what I was saying about San Francisco. It's obviously not that cold there, but you know, these homeless people would probably not mind getting caught for stealing from uh, Whole Foods or whatever because they don't care. They have nothing to live for. Uh, but they, they won't get caught because apparently they're not even prosecuting people who steal less than $900 or something like that. Well, it's pretty comfortable in San Francisco, isn't it? Yes, there are a lot of home, homeless services and such in San Francisco. Just the weather's really good, though. Mm-hmm. That, too. It doesn't too. really get super cold. It doesn't get super hot, right. from what I understand. Go ahead, Major. Yeah, well, they're able, they're able to go out and thieve with no repu- retribution at all. Correct. I mean, you look at poor people in other countries. They're out sorting plastic from tin from glass, just trying to make three fifty a day or some damn thing. You know? Yeah. It's just totally nuts. Yeah, it is. Well, you said it was something about the Rockies, but uh, uh, Chicago is also closing down. There's some Walmarts there there that are closing as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of big cities all over the United States that have similar issues. Yeah, big cities are a problem. Big cities are a problem. But I got got another one for you. Hmm. You know the old saying, go woke, go broke? Yeah. You know what? You know what Budweiser did? Uh, there was this yes. fella. Go ahead. Well, I guess it was a girl. Well, she claim he claims to be a girl, <laughs> and, and they 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 announced he's an attention whore. The year. They yeah. announced this he she woman of the year, and Budweiser took him on as their spokesperson. Yes, that's well, right. Their stock is plummeting. Evidently, they didn't realize that rednecks drank beer. Is that true that their their stock is plummeting? Well, yes, I it heard. Is. It was down four or five percent. Tell you what, if I had money to invest in beer, I would buy Coors because that's Colorado Kool Aid, cowboy water. Budweiser, they're they're pulling it. Bud Light, they're pulling it out of the bar. It's henceforth known as queer beer. Yeah, I mean, I I doubt Anheuser Busch is going anywhere. Um, No. Well, I tell you what, they ain't done themselves no favor. There's some woman that's about 30-some years old in charge of the advertising department, and her logic behind this was, well, our sales are slipping, so we have to do something. Well, you're not going to sell Budweiser to the woke crowd. That's not what they drink. (laughs) Well, Budweiser, you didn't have to advertise Budweiser, and they realized that 30 years ago. That's why they started pushing this Bud Light. It takes a third of the grain to produce light beer. I've called in and talked to you guys about this before. Light beer came from when the Egyptians had the uh, Hebrews enslaved. 
and they decided they could make a tolerable brew with a third of the grain, and they'd give it to the Hebrews on the weekends. They are down uh, in the last five days from around $66 per share to about 64 30 I mean, not a huge drop-off yeah, of cliff. Yeah, and but. that's after the entire year uh, preceding that, averaging like 55-ish or something yeah. like that. So it's so. only down in the last week. It's still up compared yeah, smoke to... And, smoke and mirrors, really, this whole this whole drop and... Well, okay, and now look, look at why it was up. We were in lockdown. Sure, Everybody. more people are going to drink. That's, that's true. I, I agree with you, Major. It seems like a really strange decision for a brand like Budweiser to make to bring on a tranny uh, to be their brand ambassador or brand representative or whatever. It doesn't make much sense. Uh, They certainly don't need to do that to continue being a top-selling product in their category. They're Budweiser. Like you said, they don't even need to advertise. I want to touch touch on this woman that was in charge of the advertising department. Well, before you you do that, the person, I believe, is called Dylan Mulvaney, if I recall the name correctly. That sounds correct. And the... I forget who's... I I don't know who to give credit to this for pointing this out, but I've, I've seen this pointed out recently on social media. It's like... The conservatives are obsessed with this person. Like most of the time, when you see something about Dylan Mulvaney, it's a conservative posting about Dylan Mulvaney. Like if it weren't for the conservatives and all their outrage about this individual, Dylan would have absolute zero, you know, clout. Uh, He's definitely a fine example of, uh, you know, the the bad press, the bad attention has given this guy, you know, a lot more attention. Yeah, and apparently. This uh, Dylan has been getting a lot of sponsorship, so it hasn't just been Bud Light, but it's been other ones. And I don't have the list in front of me, but other major brands have now taken this uh, this individual on. And it seems as though this person is putting in some effort. So, you know, they might be willing to I mean, I might be willing to call that person a a she uh, but then at the same time, when you actually listen to what uh, Dylan says, it almost seems like satire, like the level of the performance that this person is putting in almost seems like they're making fun of maybe just women in general. And it's it's very strange. I can't make heads or tails of whether or not this person's like legit or they're just trying to undermine something. I, I think Dylan Mulvaney's just just looking for the attention, just mm-hmm. looking for the clicks, and he's just found what gets attention and gets him, you know, clicks. Got some money in this yeah. case, more than just clicks. He's, he's making got sponsorships, good money. yeah, yep. big time. All right, Major, your point about the the person at Bud Light or Budweiser who's who's made this. Just, mis- just on what you guys were speaking at here a second ago, America is finally getting awakened rather than woke. And there, there, there is no reason on God's green earth that two, three, five percent of the population should be telling the rest of us how we're supposed to act. Absolutely, I, this is just insanity. It's it, it's absurd to the point of being just. Uh, uh, I can't even think of the seventy-five cent word I want right now. I mean, it's okay. It, it's fine if they want to tell everybody how to act, but it's stupidity if everybody actually acts on their advice or order. Well, when the whole damn media is bombarding you with this stuff twenty-four-seven, mm-hmm. and especially with the children, look what they're doing to them in the public school system. All right, so right before you guys dump me, 
um, this this woman that was in charge of the advertising department. Yeah. She uh, decides the market share is dropping, so we need to do something drastic. So this is what she does. Well, this is the same logic that, okay, we're in a boat, and it's leaking. Well, let's drill another hole. In the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and apparently it's she's like, like a super woke. Character that saws off the branch he's standing on. Come on, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've never had a light beer in my entire life, and I have no real interest in. <laughs> I don't drink anymore now, but uh, it's never been really, really been much of an attraction to me. So I don't know. Maybe some of these Bud Light drinkers will go and try a better beer now. So well, and it could be a good I, thing. I have a couple of friends, actually three friends I can think of. They all gave me the same reason why they drink Bud Light. They're like, "Oh, look, it's got a higher alcohol content, and it's cheap." Does it really? Yeah, it's got a higher alcohol content than, than most what? other than like light regular beers? Budweiser. Really, a- and it's cheap. It's like, I don't know, I, I I can remember the one girl I knew a few years ago, it was like you know, eleven forty nine for like a 30-pack or something, very mm-hmm. inexpensive beer. I mean, you, you almost can't buy water as cheap as you can buy some of these cheap beers. Wow. I'm, I'm shocked that there's actually more, you're saying there's more alcohol in Bud Light that, that's than what, normal Budweiser? Really? Yep. That's what they... Uh, I, I the, think you guys better check the label on that I one don't believe it. Like okay. It takes more grain to make real beer. Yeah, I, 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 I can't believe that. That doesn't make sense to me. Like, what's the light part about it if it's not <laughs> lighter on the alcohol? Yeah, check it. I'm, I don't, I'm not in alcohol at all, but that's what one of my friends told me. I could be wrong. I don't know. Okay. Right. I mean, you know, well, this, we'll check it. this girl's been a career drunk, so drinking Budweiser <laughs> she would know, her whole right? life, you know, so Bud Light anyways. Yeah. Uh, Budweiser well, if, is, if uh, according, goggles, according to Ace. goggles still make you misread a label. According to ACDC Beverage, ACDC-Beverage.com, Budweiser is 5.0 ABV, that's alcohol by volume, and Bud Light is 4.2. Oh, okay. So, no, it is not higher alcohol. Thank you, Major, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Let's continue with Rob in Vermont. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Rob. Hey, am I here? You're here. All right. Uh, uh. Did you guys hear about this? There was a murder over in, in Brattleboro there last week where this social worker was viciously butchered by an axe-wheeling homeless woman mm. in a shelter. Oh, man. Man, and, and I, I don't know, Ian, I, I cannot for the life of me pronounce this woman's name. It's like about 25 or 30 letters long. This woman's name. Yeah, I have the story here that since you mentioned to me there was a murder in Brattleboro, I went and I looked it up. I mean, these are this is a small town. It's population like twelve or thirteen thousand over there, and so I imagine they don't see murders very often. But uh, the woman's name is Zaina Mavish Jama, age thirty eight, and they say that she attacked this woman with a hatchet. Shelter coordinator Leah Rawson Pritchard, age 36, suffered injuries to her face, neck, and torso and was pronounced dead at the scene. Wow. Mm. The woman had yeah, been living at the house for oh, months. Yeah. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, it kind of hits home for me because uh, we had a shelter here in the town of where I lived at or where I live at. And, uh, you know, I didn't even make it through, you know, my first, you know, you know, from uh, uh, because of the pandemic, the, my job ended quickly. But, yeah, I mean, that same thing could have happened to me. 
you know, working third shift and, and, you know, somebody, you know, go off or whatever. Right. Yeah. I've known people who've worked, uh, Dale, who used to be one of our co-hosts years ago on Free Talk Live, he used to volunteer at the local private homeless shelter here in town. And it always just seemed like a, you know, a nice thing to do, right? Like you're working the overnight shift, you're helping people get checked in or or whatever. For listeners that don't know, there's a private shelter here in Keene uh, that's called 100 Nights Homeless Shelter. And he would he would stay there for, you know, an eight-hour overnight shift. And and it was relatively uneventful. Like normally he'd sit back and you could read a book or, or whatever and, you know, no real issues would come up. I mean, there's a small chance somebody's going to be uh, overdosing when they check in or something like that, in which case you might have to call you know, the, the ambulance or whoever it is you have to call in those circumstances. But, uh, you know, that's it seems like a nice thing you can do for the community. And I don't think many people consider you could get hatchet murdered while you're at one of these uh, volunteer opportunities. Yeah, it's, it's really kind of scary. It really is. And, you know, like I said, it just kind of hits home for me. And, yeah. and I, I mean, to me, I mean, you're working at a shelter or working at, at a soup kitchen. It's a wonderful way to give back to the community. But, you know, some of these people that come to these places, you know, like they have a lot of emotional issues. You know, they're, they're you know, for some or no reason, they may be off their medication. And, and it's like, and you may not even know it. There's a lot of broken people out there. Um, yeah. I, I I believe we're going to see more and more broken people coming along. And my my belief is 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 the access to high speed uh, internet um, that uh, de- children while their brains are developing, uh, their brains are getting rewired by the internet devices. There's uh, well, studies maybe, on but this, this person's 38 years old. Sure, sure, I understand that. But there's just a lot of broken people in general. I mean, there's a lot of people. With, especially with the economy going the way it is, the, this is likely a drug-addled sure. individual yep. who may have some, you know, psychosis and or uh, serious I think mental he was schizophrenic. Schizo, that's the yep. word I was looking but for. Yeah. If I had, I'd be schizophrenic too if I had a name this long. Zaina Azra Zakira Mavish Jama. Yeah, I mean, I, I suspect things would have probably gone differently if uh, Miss Pritchard were armed at the time of the attack. I'm just going to presume she wasn't, unless she was, you know, caught off guard. Uh, or something like that, but that may be, you know, what has to happen here is these volunteers need to, uh, you know, be strapped while they're in these positions. The other sad thing about this case is is that, you know, they knew about this woman, you know, with her issues and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, and and it's like nothing happened, nothing, you know, it's not like they didn't know. Well, clearly we need hatchet restrictions. We need to have licenses, <laughs> Got a ban uh, back, background checks. Hey, thank you, Rob, for the can call you believe tonight. just anybody can walk into Harbor Freight and buy a, buy hatchet, a hatchet for eight ninety nine Or a three-pound sledgehammer. They're, they're not even locked up. I mean, you don't need a background check. You they just... probably are in San Francisco, though. Let's go to uh, Ricky. He's in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Ricky. Thank you there, brother Ian, brother yes. Jay, and who else would be there? We got Matt. What's on your mind tonight? Brother Matt, good evening. Well, I got something. But I did want to comment quickly on this whole uh, Budweiser thing. Okay. Now, I've been, now I've, I drank my first sip of beer at six years old, and I've been drinking beer throughout my whole life as a social drinker, you know? And I'll tell you right now, light beer sucks in general. But mm. I only had Bud Light once, and it really sucked. Mm. And Budweiser's nothing happened either. Personally, I drink Rolling Rock. Okay. High five. Okay, that's the end of that. Mysterious 33. 
I mean, it's just no fluoridated doubt, no garbage doubt. water anyways, all these commercial <laughs> beers. <laughs> they're, they're all bottled in big cities on municipal water supply. It's got fluoride, mm. chlorine. Can't, comes from an open reservoir, most likely. Or you I know, know Rolling Rolling Rock is fresh and crisp and refreshing and dry. It really is a good you beer. It's yeah. No doubt. No Were doubt. you calling about something else? Yeah, I was, actually. Okay. Well, uh, I had heard uh, around that there has been a scam going around where people have been using government phone numbers uh, that are known government phone numbers of different agencies. Mm-hmm. They're actually scam artists, and they'll be from this agency or that agency, yep. and they'll say you owe them money, and like they want payment and stuff. Yeah, try to get right. money out of you. Right. Well, here's something interesting happened to me the other day. Now, it's not like I make a call to them very much, but I called Medicare. Now, their number is eight hundred Medicare. Right. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. Well, I call it up and get this one. I call it up dial a number and it says welcome to medicare a little few seconds is a normal message to start and then i hear this hi i'm jessica from met alert i said oh my god so i immediately start talking and i screw her up then i get this one i hear another couple more seconds maybe 10 seconds or whatever of another medicare uh you know stuff off their line it's familiar then i hear Hi, I'm Jessica. I hang up for MetAlert. Now, I don't even know if MetAlert exists. I heard a life alert. I fall and I can't get up, you know? Okay. But I've heard this before. So here's what I did. Uh, how did I actually get Medicare now? What I did is I called another phone number, you know, of another agency that has a link to them. You push an option, mm-hmm. and I did. And actually, I got them, and I got this guy, Denzel. I was calling about something else, which I ended up going into. But I told him what had happened. He said, oh, my God. He said, well, you know what? What happened exactly again? I told him the exact thing that happened. Hold on. And he put me on hold. And he immediately went to go talk to people. And then he came back. And he said, you know, thanks for We appreciate this. You know, we want to nip it in the bud. They obviously didn't even know, Hmm. you know. And I asked the guy, so what's going to happen? 800 Medicare. Is it going to be screwed now? Like it's going to be gone, (laughs) you know? He said, nah, probably not. We'll be able to use it. I don't know about that. So let me see if I'm following what you're saying. You're saying that you called what you believed was the official Medicare phone number. Which it was, 800 Medicare. And at some point, some other operator broke into the line from another. It was a machine. You know, that's what this Jessica is. It's a machine, and then you say stuff to it, and he interprets it and talks back. Okay. So is this Jessica... from some other company called MetAlert, or is that just right, like... I the, question if they exist, because I've heard that before. Or is it possible that this was just... My number. Or is it possible mm-hmm. that this was just the automated system behind the Medicare phone Oh, no, lines? absolutely not. No, I've heard these MetAlert people, okay. you know, before. They're, they're, I think it's a total scam, because LifeAlert really exists. Remember the iPhone and I Yeah, can't who, who doesn't remember that ad? Right, but these people, I think, are bogus because it uses a machine, like I said. Okay. And you talk to it, and it re- interprets it and responds back. But you could fry its brains real easy. That's what I did. And then when I did it... Well, it sounds it like you handled with, the situation, Ricky. Uh, what's the takeaway from this? I mean, is there something that you think well, other people I mean, should care about? I mean, what's, what's really bad is uh, somehow they're doing this. This isn't spoofing, though. They're actually 
this person actually took over the damn number somehow. Now, obviously, Medicare is still there because I was to get him through another agency, through a, a transfer. You push the options. Yeah. You know, so they're going to nip it in the butt. All right, Ricky. Well, thank you for the call tonight. The number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. I don't know what else to say to that. Yeah. I mean, take, like taking over difficulty. the government phone number would be pretty pretty brave. Yeah, you would think so. There's probably something going on he just he just doesn't understand, but who cares? The number is 603-283-6160. You enjoy your welfare. And you can bring up whatever you want here on Free Talk Live. You Do can, not enjoy your welcome. Uh, coming up here, Walmart closing down multiple locations in Chicago because they're just not making money. It's Free Talk Live. Yeah. Yes, indeed, it is Free Talk Live. The phones are open if you want to join the show. Bring up what you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Want to say thanks to Porcupine Real Estate, longtime sponsor here on Free Talk Live. Maybe you've been considering a move to New Hampshire. Maybe you've been listening carefully over the years here on Free Talk Live, and you're pretty interested in finding out about the scene here in New Hampshire. You haven't had a chance to come up to the Porcupine Freedom Festival or Liberty Forum, and you're just you're out there wondering, is this for real? Is it really the real deal that there are actual liberty-minded people migrating to the same geographic area, which is, of course, the concept of the Free State Project? And our friends over at Porcupine Real Estate are going to try to prove it to you by hosting a series of webinars... And they've actually done some already, but they got more coming up uh, to educate people like you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by those of us here in New Hampshire. They're going to be focusing on different topics. So each webinar will focus on one will be on gun freedom, another on medical freedom, the various different political victories uh, that we've been having up here. They'll even be focusing, of course, on moving to the free state, like tips, you know, for making the move and also for finding housing, which, of course, is their profession at Porcupine Real Estate. These guys are the experts. Mark Warden and his crew have been at this for a very, very long time here, and there's no better group to uh, to go with if you're interested in learning more about a, potent, a potential move here to New Hampshire. And I've got the jingle stuck in my head. Porcupine Real Estate jingle. Like tattooed on my brain. <laughs> PorcupineRealEstate.com. It's a good one. You can go to move.freetalklive.com. We made a little URL. It gets you right to the right page where you can sign up for the upcoming webinars. So you can choose whichever one uh, you want to attend. It's free to attend. They just need to know who you are so they can reach out to you with any updates or whatever. So go to move.freetalklive.com and uh, get signed up for the upcoming webinars. You can also link over to their YouTube channel, which is called Porcupine Real Estate, and you'll find some of the past webinars. If you want to get a taste of what the other ones have been like, see what the other topics have been that they've been covering, check out Porcupine Real Estate on YouTube. Again, it's move.freetalklive.com if you want to sign up for the upcoming seminars from Porcupine Real Estate. Mark Warden's just such an awesome dude. He is. Yep. Just they love they do guy. great work, and they're just basically their their job is exclusively helping liberty minded movers get into housing here in New Hampshire. I mean, They've built a great business out yeah. of it. I mean, that shows you how many people are actually moving to New Hampshire that you could make a business. He's out of He's making that. a yeah. business out of it. Yeah. So good, kudos to them. All right. So we're talking about a place where people are leaving, which is San Francisco, where the Whole Foods has closed down uh, their flagship location because they they say they can't keep their employees safe. 
Uh, whether they reopen or not remains to be seen. But I was just looking at the comments on the story here from sfstandard.com, and Dan writes saying, let me get this straight. People were shooting up in public bathrooms nearby, so some folks put together a safe injection location. Then they closed the safe injection location because some people in the city found it yucky. Then people went back to the public bathrooms, so they closed them too. So therefore, the closest bathroom for several blocks was Whole Foods. And surprise, surprise, the junkies ended up using that one. And indeed, the Whole Foods cited needles and you know other dangerous situations being generated in their bathrooms as one reason why they were closing uh, the locations. So uh, again, it's and uh, an injection room isn't going to solve your problem, but it can maybe do a little bit of harm reduction where you're less likely to have needles out in the streets where kids can pick them up and jab themselves and get hepatitis or whatever else. You know, whatever other kind of bloodborne diseases might be associated with dirty needles, you know, have them in an actual location that's staffed and, you know, safely disposing of those needles. It's a way to try to deal with the problem, but you're not going to solve the problem until you solve the problem of why people are abusing drugs in the first place, which usually has to do with them feeling like there's nothing worth living for. And the government could stop incentivizing this poor behavior, just giving anybody willy-nilly uh, a paycheck. Uh, there, there there was a video I did watch a while ago, and it was basically this guy in California. I believe it was at Venice Beach. He was all tattooed up. You know, his whole face was all tattooed. And he's like, I love California. I get a X amount of 600 dollars you know, check every month, and I can just get high. Mm. The food truck shows up here three times a day and they feed us and you know he's just like this is a great place the weather's beautiful and you know it was some kind of like vice type like you know Mm -hmm. thing the the little expose i don't know who who did it but um the only reason i I watch is good friend of mine's like oh you gotta watch this check this is why california's having a problem i'm like yep subsidizing poor people incentivizing it you're gonna create a whole bunch more poor people if you subsidize them yep yeah, you know, people respond to incentives. Well, they respond to incentives, and they also re- respond to, oh, I might die if I don't get up off my butt and go do something. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm starving to death. Maybe I'll go do something. But And, and <clears throat> as we know, uh, the drug cartels are working extremely closely with the, all the governments t- to move the drugs. I mean, Ernie Hancock and uh, Bob did this excellent um, show a couple, about a month ago on how somebody in Arizona... Uh, uh, an insurance um, some woman who's like very big in insurance and she does like uh, a lot of uh, insurance type like actuaries and I don't really understand how insurance works mm-hmm. but um, for, uh, at her level but she's like a number cruncher and, she, and then she found that the Mexican drug cartels were laundering their money through the Secretary of State's office by buying a whole bunch of single family homes with all kinds of money uh, that they had to do something with on the American side of the border. You know, so all these investors are buying all these homes, but it's and it's through the um, Arizona Secretary of State's office is totally co-opted. You know, this woman testified before the hmm. uh, Arizona legislature. And then uh, as Joe and I talked about a week ago, there's or, or a few several weeks ago, there's a. Uh, this guy, Mike Gill, who's always talking about the state of corruption in New, in New Hampshire, and he basically mm-hmm. said the same exact thing, uh, that N- New Hampshire has a drug cartel that is uh, uh, basically um, laundering uh, money through 
the Secretary of State's office, through these uh, New Hampshire whatever trust corporations, and uh, and then the guy gets into all how like all the governors involved, and you know the state police and everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Gill. Anybody can go look him up. Um, that guy has a giant mouth, and it's been going for years. Yep. And you gotta take your hat off to him just because mm-hmm. he's relentless. Yep. And and uh, you know he was like a, a mortgage broker or something, or that, that, that's what he did. Anyways. He was actually offered a settlement from the state over his basically exposing the corruption for like fifty million dollars, and he's like, "No, we're gonna we're gonna prove this. We're gonna take it take it to court." And of course, you know, all the courts are just totally corrupt, right? So it didn't really you can't get, get anywhere. Justice through their system, yeah. yeah they're, 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 there's essentially really no justice, especially if you got you know your woke uh, DAs and stuff. You know, have that have infected the system, and you know, the bar association, as far as I'm concerned, is 100 percent corrupt, and all those guys are co opted. Well, I mean, it's not just a problem with woke DAs. You can put a right winger in there, and they're going to still prosecute the war on drugs too. Sure, I mean, sure, they're absolutely. Still working yeah. for the the state, yeah, so all, it's all not the like states, these people yeah. are going to make things better. Yeah, yeah. All, all, all the statists are bad, whether they're on the ring uh, on yeah. on the left or the right. Yes. Yeah. The position of DA, uh, district attorney, attracts psychopaths. Yep. It attracts people from the left and the right who want to just punish people. You know, use mm-hmm. a punitive system, which of course we've seen doesn't actually really help people putting somebody who has a problem in with a bunch of other criminals into uh gladiator school as yep. they call it isn't going to result in people being good after and, they get out in a lot of cases one of the things i fear that's going to happen uh you know here in america at some point is you know the average people are going to get really really sick of all this essentially wokeism and and, and a lot of them are and they're going to vote hardcore um probably republican and and then um, we're going to see a pendulum swing to an extreme rightist where we're going to have a bunch of right-wing authoritarians and sociopaths getting in there. Sure. And, I mean, here's two know. headlines for you right now. DeSantis pushing the toughest immigration crackdown in the nation in Florida. And a lot of these, a lot of people who are in the liberty movement have been flummoxed, or they've been uh, fooled by this guy because he talked a good game at some point about mm-hmm. COVID after locking people down and cracking down and locking down the beaches and arresting people for going to the beach. He changed his tune. Well, this guy's an authoritarian who loves the police state. And that's just, you know, that's, there's your latest headline proving it. Uh, we can dig into it deeper if you want. But also the scariest story is the national one that the uh, GOP is now embracing the new foreign policy of bombing Mexican cartels. Oh, I'd love to comment on that. In their latest war on drugs insanity. I mean, this is the most, yep. you feel free to comment because it's the most insane war on drugs proposal that I have heard in my lifetime. So I, I don't. And that's saying something. So I, I listen to Jeff Berwick's show, uh, well, show he does a and walk he's in, in Mexico. Talks. He's in Mexico, and um, and I actually stopped what I was doing when I was listening to him talk uh, uh, on the show because I'm like, you know, just doing something, and I got to go back and rewind the video a little bit. But you know, Jeff does these uh, Jeff and Lucy walking talks, and he just basically talks a whole bunch of s about a bunch of stuff and a lot of truth. Mm-hmm. And um, so he he goes, check these guys out. Do these look like they're tourists? Uh, coming down to whatever border town in Mexico where they where the the cartel like you know took these guys and shot them or whatever, mm-hmm. and they were like gang banging homies from that were like they were there to buy cocaine. They were yes. cocaine do- dealers, and so that's always the thing. Like you're you, talking about the four people that got abducted recently was uh, in the news. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the yeah. Yeah, it so, came out later that they were involved in the drug trade. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So when you but when you look at them, the videos they look like you know 
uh, you know, they they walked off the set of like a Fifty Cent, you know, rap video. <laughs> okay. that, that's the kind of guy they yeah. were. Um, you know, inner city, you know, homie gangbanger types. Sure. Um, and they got uh, out of their element and they got abducted. Well, they were they were going to buy drugs and yeah. and, and 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 Jeff Burrow constantly talking about how safe Mexico is. And the only time that you have a problem is if you're going to be. Uh, dealing drugs yep. and your uh, competition to the cartel, the cartel is going to wipe you out, and that's and, right. and and that's basically what happens in in Mexico. Uh, Jeff, he went on a major rager. He's like, "Go ahead, United States military, uh, come and try to take it. I will put all my energy and effort into fighting you, into mm-hmm. going back against you, and I will fight beside the cartel against <laughs> the United States government. No problem. We'll see about that." And uh, well, I don't know if I buy that one. Uh, well, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if he's actually going to fight against yeah. it. But uh, I, yeah, I could see him just <laughs> flying to some other place. You know, when when uh, Mexico starts getting you know uh, bombed by oh, the yeah, Americans, he's out of there. <clears throat> but, he's one hundred percent out of there. Sure, I would believe so. Uh, but remember, a f- um, few months ago, there was the uh, El Chapo's son, this big drug dealer, the son of this big drug dealer. El Chapo was arrested a few years back. And he's in a U.S. prison or whatever. But the Mexican government, I don't know if the U.S. was involved. I don't remember all the details. But his son had been picked up. And then it sparked like an actual hot conflict between the drug cartel that his son was involved in and the Mexican military at the time. And there was literally like helicopters that were being shot at and shooting back like actual an actual drug war erupted over the abduction uh, of this El Chapo's son. So it did happen and it it showed that the you know the drug cartels they are very well uh, equipped. They were able to, you know, hold their own against the the military in this particular case and there's some pretty wild footage out there of what was going on down there. So if the US government thinks they're just going to be able to bomb their way out of the uh, the so-called fentanyl problem by bombing uh, cartels down there, and they don't. If they don't think the cartels are going to shoot back, they're in for a surprise. If the, if the U.S. government wanted to use bombs to end the drug war, they'd have to bomb FBI headquarters and CIA, and the CIA headquarters. Yeah, yeah. I, and and the thing is, is the uh, this has been known about for a very long time. There's all kinds of declassified stuff come out. The CIA, because they don't have to show where they're getting their money from, they, they're like, oh, Congress, we're not going to fund you, but the CIA can just fund itself. So they fund itself through drug war, and this has been a you know very well-known about thing, or, or through drug trafficking. And what makes the drugs valuable is the fact that they're prohibited. So like I've, I've said for years now, you want to you clean up the border? Stop giving welfare and remove the prohibition on all drugs, and we wouldn't have a border problem. Yep. And the thing is, is you know, the drugs are valuable because because they're illegal, and the uh, wrong kind of people are coming here for two reasons: to to either sell drugs or to live off the welfare system. And there's a whole bunch of people come through that border that I worked with, mm-hmm. like you know, these so-called illegal aliens or um, what do they call them? You know, whatever illegal citizens or something. Um, which, which I don't, you know, like that term for them. I like undocumented. That's mm. cool. But, uh, those were some of the best people I ever worked with. Me like too. These, these guys that came from Mexico, they're sending money back home, taking Good care of their family. Yeah. The Guatemalans they're, were absolute yep. beasts in, in the workplace. Guatemalans, man, were, Brazilians, Mexicans. You couldn't keep up uh, with them. Portuguese guys, all the guys that were here, like under the radar. Um, those guys were like, 
you know, they were good. You could like leave your kids with them and your kids would be well fed and taken care Super of. Super friendly. Yep. <clears throat> really, really good people, hardworking. And, 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 and like I say, when I, when I worked on this, you know, out, out in, uh, on, on this big farm out in Colorado, I worked with a whole bunch of harvest crew, the Mexican guys were really like the best like family men. Like if mm-hmm. I had to choose like, you know, a, a, a husband for my daughter out of that crew, it wouldn't have been any of the white guys. It would right. have been some Mexican guy because they were just like, you know, They're such very good. religious in a lot of cases. Well, too. they just cared about their family and, and like they would like uh like one guy, Julio, I became very good friends with him. He's like, Hey Jay, look at this picture my daughter, you know, drew for me and you know, and then like the other guy, Tom, who's like twenty eight years old, he's like, dude, check out the rims we just got from my truck. You know, and he's like <laughs> you know, it's like the the cultures are totally yeah, like yeah. The, you know Julio didn't care about, you know, what is, you know, you know, his car or his truck. He cared about he his, his investment back, right? was his family. Well, yeah. he had like four or five kids, uh, you know, they're living there with him. And, oh, okay. um, and, and all of his kids were like super able. Like uh, his, I can remember his seven-year-olds like operating a skid steer like a pro, cleaning out a you know a, a, a whole uh, cow pen of manure. Hmm. He's seven, and he's wow. and, you know he's in the bobcat doing the work, and like you know the the average you know college you know you know white college guy or girl wouldn't even think about doing a job like no. they wouldn't even care. They, they don't even want to work. Yeah, they don't even want to work. So that's why what this story is is really. I mean, this is really scary stuff. I had started to hear about it a few months ago uh, as the presidential campaign starting to you know heat up we're starting to hear about who's running for these things and there was this character named vivek ramaswamy oh he's, he's in henneker today oh look out <laughs> i saw his bus driving here he's right at new yeah, england college he's making vivek. a big tour like, why around. do i know that name vivek apparently he's like some sort of a vaccine pimp at one point he was working for uh some kind of pharmaceutical corporation it's like a ceo i don't know if that's where you picked up up on him i'd never heard of him before just the last couple months but he's been getting some play in libertarian circles because he's anti-ESGs, anti-wokeism. But he's also in favor of bombing people in uh, in Mexico. I mean, the dude is an actual psychopath who wants to lead an actual hot war into Mexico. And that's one of his main issues. He now, says I, he's got I two main foreign you- policy things. One is to stop trading with China, which is insane. And uh, the other one is also insane, which is to start bombing the people of uh, of Mexico. You know, I, I remember a long time ago, like more than 10 years ago, someone named Vivek in the libertarian movement who I thought was oh, kind no of libertarian. an oddball. And it was weird. He, the, the, do, you know who, do, you remember, do you know what a LaRouche is? Do you know, remember Lyndon, Lyndon LaRouche? LaRouche? Yeah, yeah, I don't know a lot about him. but yeah, I, he, he was like, he, he'll say anything to gather support. And his supporters always throw themselves right behind him. It's more like he's a very cult, good Culty. cult leader. Like yeah. he'll start up a new cult like every four years, and that's kind of the way I felt about that that Vivek person. How many people could there possibly be named, named Vivek? Vivek? I mean, in the United States, not many, but probably in India or wherever he comes from or wherever his uh, family's from, uh, probably a lot. So that's where at first I first came across it, and then I found out, and I think they mention it in this story. Yeah, here it is. So Crenshaw, you know who this guy is? Representative. The guy with the eye patch. The guy with the yeah, eye yeah, patch, yeah. yeah. He's been called Eye Patch McCain because he's much of a war a war hawk as John McCain. That's such a good nickname. He's just the younger version of him. Uh, apparently this guy and another guy, Mike Waltz, out of Florida, have introduced a bill seeking authorization for the use of military force to quote, put us at war with the cartels, unquote. 
So there's an actual bill. This isn't just some presidential candidate talking point. Yeah, they there's, don't want to stop the drugs. They just want to spend a whole now, bunch of uh, uh, expensive munitions. And a lot of what I think uh, the intention of a war with uh, Mexican cartels would be is because there's definitely some, uh, I'd, I'd have to like to be saying this accurately, look into it a little bit more, but there's definitely some chatter I've been hearing about like Mexico's wanting to like possibly join up with the BRICS nations and the de-dollarization That's what thing. they're talking about, yeah. And, uh, and then there's also been something about uh, Mexico being crypto-friendly, of course. Uh, this might be something I heard from Jeff Berwick, which of course he's you know a little bit prejudiced yeah. on the, in, in the crypto world. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, it, it sounds like... Uh, Mexico's been like buying a lot of gold and not exporting any gold hmm. is another one of the things I, I have heard. And well, I know that like China has good military ties with Mexico, so it may be militarily advantageous to start a uh, not war with Mexico under the flag of fighting cartels. Drugs. It, and there needs to be a brand new like because like. My entire life, my entire like you know life, the United States has been at war with somebody. Just there's been some conflict mm-hmm. happening. Yep. And like I, I said to people my age, were like, "Oh, that isn't true." I'm like, "Dude, we were like in what second or third grade, and there was the Desert Storm thing. You know, there 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 was uh, Iraqi whatever freedom. There was you know, and then there's you know uh, Afghanistan, and then there's you know, but and there's just been constant conflict after conflict. And in fact, there's been pretty much chronic conflict ever since the U.S. went off the dollar standard, I mean the gold standard in 1971. Well, sure. Mm-hmm. That's with, how they can fund it. Right. And um, They well, just that, print as much as they want. Yeah, they, they just ha- – well, and, and they have to use the military to, to enforce the value of the dollar. So uh, they need a, a <clears throat> someone closer to home as, a, as an enemy, as a bad guy, to get the American people riled up because right now, like, my generation mm. is sort of numb to all this war – because we've been hearing about it our entire life. I think most people are. Because right. that's been, it's not just your life. That's been the way since like right. the, the, the Spanish-American War. But if it happens with Mexico, that's like a, a, a you know much more intense thing. It's, you know, right on the, uh, on the American border. And, uh, and, you know, Mexico's doing some things that the Federal Reserve don't like. Like talking about, you know, joining the BRICS and... And trading, so this would be a way trading to punish and them. And, and that's what I always look at is the dollars because everybody who, uh, I mean, this Somalian, is it the uh, Somalian president was saying, telling people not to, to get out of dollars and Somalia just yeah. didn't deal directly with either Iran or Kenya Russia or something. Or something. Like that, Kenya, yeah. that's correct. It was Kenya. And I'm like just thinking to myself, well, that guy's going to get off pretty soon. Mm. You know, just like Gaddafi. Gaddafi was working on a gold back African currency, and and uh, you know, and he all of a sudden became you know an evil bad guy. Yeah, so we'll see. In recent weeks, according to Politico.com, Donald Trump has discussed sending special forces using cyber warfare to target cartel leaders if he's reelected president. And per Rolling Stone, asked for battle plans to strike Mexico. Senator Tom Cotton, a Republican from Arkansas, said he's open to sending U.S. troops into Mexico and target drug lords even without Mexico's government's permission. And lawmakers in both chambers have filed legislation to label some cartels as foreign terrorist organizations, a move supported by GOP presidential aspirants. So basically what you have here is the uh, Republicans trying to one-up themselves on tough talk 
towards the cartels in Mexico. Now, whether any of this actually ends up panning out, you know, still remains to be seen. But they are floating these ideas out there. They want to see what kind of uh, response they get. So even though the drug war has been an abject failure for decades of our lives, that there have been trillions of dollars of taxpayer dollars that have been poured into this over the 50 you know, years that this has been uh, going on. And of course, drugs are winning. You know, the drugs are doing just fine. There's been millions of people that have been put in prison cells over this over the years, but the drugs are going out there. They're getting sold. The idea that bombing people is now the way to solve this problem is just absolutely ridiculous. But that's what they're literally proposing. Well, that's the only thing these guys know how to do. It's like when you have the hammer is the only tool in your toolbox, everything becomes like a, a nail. nail. Uh, Waltz, who is one of them, this is uh, Mike Waltz from Florida, the Republican, says, We need to start thinking about these groups more like ISIS than we do the mafia, he said in an interview. Of course, not all Republicans are behind this. Thankfully, again, maybe this won't end up going somewhere, but it just goes to show that these Republicans don't know diddly about the failure of the war on drugs. These supposed, quote-unquote, free market Republicans don't understand free markets. They don't support free markets because free markets would include the right to be able to grow and manufacture any kind of product that you want to and sell it to any willing, voluntary uh, people who want to buy it. And I'm sure all these guys calling for war uh, are very much funded by the military-industrial complex. Oh, certainly. Well, right, they're against war in Ukraine, right? Like, it's cool right now to be an anti-war Republican, and then all of a sudden now they're pro-war in Mexico. So I mean, they, they don't go longer than five minutes uh, being anti-war before they find something else, right. somebody else that they want to bomb. Uh, so there's more coming up here. Hour number three is on the way. You mentioned bricks. That's worth a mention as well. Coming up. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and we're kicking off the third hour here. We're talking about the psychopath idea that is being promoted by multiple people, not only just candidates for president on the Republican side, but also people who are already in office, uh, like the Dan Crenshaw character, the eyepatch McCain guy. He's already got a bill in proposing to authorize military force to be used in Mexico, ostensibly against drug cartels. And uh, if you want to comment, you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. This isn't to say that Democrats are any better. They're obviously, you know, warmongering over in Ukraine and laundering billions of uh, U.S. dollars over to those people over there. But, of course, this is uh, a different proposal, a different warmongering proposal by the uh, the right wing. They're trying to use the deaths that are caused by the, fentanyl overdoses. The deaths of drug dealers. Oh, yeah, and the, the fentanyl. deaths of users. Okay, there, so that's what users. these guys are representing. But the whole uh, why we need to invade Mexico things like, oh, look at they're killing tourists. And the guys that got... Oh, that. that. Okay. You know, they, they were not tourists. They were drug dealers. Yeah, no, that's not what they're focusing on. They're focusing on the large number. I mean, there's a fair number of, of people who will overdose uh, as a result of taking in fentanyl uh, into their bloodstream through what they thought was a heroin uh, injection, but it actually has and, this fentanyl stuff in it. And, and basically the reason fentanyl is coming on so hard now and the heroin is dropping off is because the U.S. is no longer... In Afghanistan, you know, uh, 
subsidizing or basically enforcing the cultivation mm-hmm. of uh, poppy, the processing of heroin, and shipping it directly to the United States and Europe and pumping it like crazy. I don't know if that's the reason. I mean, I, the thing I want to know is where is the fentanyl being added to the heroin? Because it, what it doesn't make sense to me is that the cartels would be doing it, right? Like the cartels don't seem to be, to me, the ones that would be likely to debase their product at that level. Usually the product debasement in black markets comes later on, right? So the the idea would be the cartel would sell a more pure product and then it gets worse as it gets closer to the end user because each middle point, each middleman for that product has the incentive to debase the quality of the product, meaning that if you get in a you know a kilogram of heroin or whatever, and then you put in a kilogram of you know some sort of cutting agent, I don't know how much fentanyl they, they cut this stuff with or whatever. I, I don't know the numbers, but you cut it with whatever you cut it with. You then sell it for whatever price you sell it at, and you sell it at full price, even though you've put in a bunch of stuff that's not heroin, right? So, like, why would the cartels be the ones that are doing that. It seems to me like it would be the lower level dealers that are the ones that are you know, going to be debasing the product, in which case bombing the cartels is certainly not going to solve that problem. But that's who they're blaming for this. They're blaming the cartels for cutting their own product, essentially, which and I don't buy it. Uh, uh, Mike Gill and this guy, I think his name is Brandon O'Connell or O'Connor. Uh, he's a YouTuber, but basically listening to some of his videos, they were talking about how the fentanyl is mostly coming from China. Mm-hmm. And like one, one way that they were sending it over was basically it, it, it looks like it's a T-shirt and you rinse out the fentanyl and it's all, mm-hmm. you know, like something that would... I, there was a movie, like, I remember, you know, I was young, something like that. Yeah. yeah, where they were doing a similar thing to this guy mm-hmm. was what was explaining. But he was basically saying... And, and these guys say that it's like, oh, it's Elliott Hospitals, like, you know, distributing it in New Hampshire. And this is mm-hmm. why New Hampshire is like number two in the nation for fentanyl deaths per capita or whatever. And, um, <clears throat> you know, but uh, it, it, so a lot of it is is coming from China. And and yeah, the, the cartel wants to uh, continue to sell drugs. So, sure. you know, I, I don't see the incentive of... You know, putting the fent- you know, fentanyl, which is just wiping the end user out, basically, it's just right. killing them. Yeah, you don't uh, want to kill your user. Of uh, putting that. Doesn't but, make sense. Um, you know, people in government would really want to see it be like, you know, radical uh, so they could say, oh, here- here's this problem we need to fix. You yeah, know? They, they poisoned alcohol, intentionally yeah. poisoned alcohol during, during prohibition. Pro- during alcohol yep. prohibition. Yeah, that's true. Tons of people died from that. And uh, since the heroin, we, we historically know that heroin has is basically directly imported into the country via the military and CIA. We've had mm-hmm. special you've had special forces on that were there, you know, talking about this and this the the special forces guys that were in Afghanistan were told explicitly do not mess with the local economy. Well, this, this includes, you know, the heroin. The fact that then this is like not a speculation that you're talking about. Like this is long time ex CIA people coming out saying that this absolutely happens. There's a lot of evidence for this. And so this may be the reason why these crazy ideas by these Republicans of actually having a hot war in Mexico never come to fruition, right? Like that they they just they throw them out there during campaign season to get elected, but the CIA is like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Right. You know, like that that could be why this never actually moves forward. And the politicians don't want to don't want to stop the drugs. The politicians love the drug 
uh, epidemic. They love the fact that so many Americans can't pay attention to what the politicians are doing, first off, because they're whacked out on drugs. Mm-hmm. And second off, the, the Americans that have a, you know, um, you know how many moms of children uh, I know of that the father is, is are like a drug addict and can't function and, you know, these moms got to just take care of him and deal with it. Right. You think that mom's paying attention to what's going on in no, politics? Well, too busy. Do you think anybody who has... Children that are hooked on drugs are really pay, are paying attention to, to politics. The, you can't. Uh, same thing if you got like an autistic kid. You're not paying attention to anything that's going on. You don't have the time. And so the politicians love all of the struggle of the of the working class and the middle class. You know the people in the middle and uh, and 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 they they gain from it. Uh, you know, wonderfully, but I believe the uh, re- real reason to go after Mexico is so they don't be get involved in with uh, ditching the U.S. dollar. That's what I really. That's think you of. think that's what's really going on yes, behind the absolutely. scenes. Well, on the front of the uh, the scenes, Trump is now reviving his hawkish instincts after originally backing away from proposals like this because of complications of fears that bombing Mexico could lead to increased asylum claims. But now he's backing uh, backing up the hawkish. Uh, position saying he's vowed to deploy u.s special forces to take on the drug cartels quote just as we took down isis and the isis caliphate (laughs) in one policy video released by his campaign trump said that if re-elected he would quote order the department of defense to make appropriate use of special forces cyber warfare and other overt and covert actions to inflict maximum damage on cartel leadership infrastructure and operations who funded isis Good question. What what did all of the hardware that ISIS have say on it? What, what did it all look like? Like there was uh, a guy in Texas who had sold a plumber who had sold a van or an electrician mm-hmm. at some auction or traded it into a dealership, bought a new van. And, and then he, he saw his logo on the side of a van in like the news. Yeah. In, really? in, in like Afghanistan, in Afghanistan. It was an, or somewhere it was an ISIS van. So if you That's see crazy. all the ISIS equipment, it was like Johnson plumbing, yeah. you know, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, what? <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. So, so this guy sees his van there and, and he like went after the dealership. What'd you do with my van? And they're like, Oh, we sent it to an auction. And they're like, Oh, you were supposed to paint it first <laughs> you know, or whatever. Wow. So, but the U.S., uh, Israel, all these, there's so many ties to ISIS that they were all, they're all funded. And so, the, but this has been going on for, for all of, since literally the Federal Reserve has existed because these agencies have unlimited power and money because they created out of thin air the money. So they're able to just constantly fund um, adversarial forces all around the world. And this is... Um, this is what bankers been doing mm-hmm. since bankers sure. been banking, yeah. funding both sides of conflict. Yeah, and sometimes they don't even use people's old beater trucks. Sometimes they have, you know, a mile long convoy of brand new Toyota Hiluxes. Yeah, with, you, yeah, I've seen that video, and these, these were all U.S. issued, U.S. military. It's yeah. all uh, so now, like with all this stuff going on in Ukraine, and I keep on hearing. Um, you know, only 8% of the weapons are making it to the front lines of Ukraine. All these weapons are showing up in Northern Africa on the mm. black market. Look at these mortars. They're on, you know, some form of like Craigslist in somewhere, wherever, wow. you know, and, Surprise. uh, and so, so who is the next enemy, you know, three year, four years from now, five years from now, that is, be, that is just stocking up on all of these American yeah. munitions great that aren't making it to, you know, Ukraine, and it shouldn't be going to Ukraine anyways. I mean, I don't know. I think anybody who... Who, who's like supports his Ukraine wars have waving his Ukraine uh, flags are just they're just brain useful dead useful idiots useful idiots. algorithmic slaves during a recent presidential speech in Waco Trump compared the number of deaths from fentanyl overdoses to a kind of military attack 
He said that people talk about the people that are pouring in, but the drugs that are pouring into our country, killing everybody, killing so many people, there's no army that could ever do damage to us like that still. And it's not just Trump. Other other candidates are siding with him on this, using military force on cartels without Mexico's permission, quote, would not be the preferred option, but we would absolutely be willing to do it, according to entrepreneur activist Vivek Ramaswamy in an interview. He also accused the cartels of a, quote unquote, form of attack on the United States. And just think about this for a moment. The idea here is that the cartels are importing something into the, or you know, exporting something into the United States that is dangerous that some people are dying from using public and education they're saying that that's an attack on the United States so therefore is any dangerous product that is being marketed in the United States an attack on the United States because someone could use it in an irresponsible manner, possibly die from an overdose from using that. What about fatty foods? What about sugary uh, products? What about all the chemicals they're putting uh, in these foods? Tequila. Are these these attacks on the American people? Right. How many people die from alcoholism? Every single year? Should we be uh, bombing the... How many people are dying from seed oils? Indeed. Well, it's hard Canola to really know. Oil, it's hard fried to really know food. That. Yeah. Are these all attacks? Should we be bombing uh, Seagram's factories? Yeah. You know, it's absolutely ridiculous. And if this goes forward, it's really scary what this could the, result in. The Chinese pumping the fentanyl into the country um, theory, whatever, uh, you know, makes sense to me, especially since, mm-hmm. you know, there was that report that there was over like 100,000 American politicians that were compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. We have, you know, if we look at the Biden crime family, we can see that they have extreme, you know, uh, ties to the Chinese Communist Party. There's all kinds of money that has gotten funneled to the Biden crime family, you know, uh, between pedophile Joe and pedophile Hunter. And uh, even Joe Biden's got a, a, a brother who's, you know, they're talking about got all kinds of money from the Chinese. And if the Chinese uh, really wanted to, um, you know, uh, one good way to sort of destroy America, if that's what they want to do, if they want to take it over, is to, you know, send a whole bunch of very addictive, deadly, odorless, tasteless, whatever could be mixed, compounded into, you know, something that people are are addicted to. And, and I got to agree with you, and I don't think that the... Uh, that the um, Mexican drug cartels are cutting their uh, their Makes heroin no with uh, fentanyl, and it is probably ha- happening on the lower levels mm-hmm. uh, 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 of the distribution networks. And um, isn't fentanyl also expensive though? I think it's very inexpensive, but it, but even heroin, you know, a few years ago was like a guy had basically said that in Manchester, New Hampshire, some kid on the street I was talking to who was a heroin addict. He's like, it's cheaper than weed. Is basically wow, what he what? told me. Yeah, he said heroin was cheaper than weed. Like you can wow, get like a, like a like for five bucks, you can get like a you know a load of heroin. And he's like, yeah, it might be you know a little hot or something. He was telling me, and you know, it was, oh. I mean, what a perfect example of the abject failure of the war on drugs. If that's actually true, what that kid's saying that heroin's cheaper than marijuana now. I mean, that's. that's I mean, proof I, positive. If you, want, if you look at it a different way, the the war on drugs is a raging success. It completely debased the united states population and made them weak and stupid and helpless and needy and scared and, and addicted and and how many of these people that are completely over, distracted that are dying that that uh you know vavak and trump and desantis are talking about of these people that are dying uh from 
drug overdose of any kind, how many of them are on some form of welfare? How you know good question. The, that's the number I really want to know. Pretty, probably a pretty because, good percentage. Because the war needs to be on the Department of Health and Human Services for creating this massive amount of dependent people. I mean, I literally know people who are fifth generation welfare recipients. Mm. And like there are are young men out, young boys and girls uh, that I've met, uh, you know, in their 20s, uh, you know, in the past few years here and there that are like their goal is to get on welfare, to get on disability. That is a thing for, you know, a lot of urban culture now. You know, even if they go forward with this idea of bombing the cartels or using the military against the cartels, treating them like terrorists, that kind of thing. And let's say they actually have some success and they actually destroy the lives of thousands of cartel members and they wipe out, you know, the Sinaloa cartel completely and, you know, their competition is decimated or whatever. That's not going to end the demand for drugs, right? Like there's, as long as there's people that are messed up, that they hate their life, they're going to want to alter their state of consciousness to try to forget their problems. This is one of the primary reasons why people use drugs. You talk to them. They'll tell you their life sucks. And so they want to get away from, from it. They can't, they're not going to kill themselves, so they're just going to do it slowly with you know whatever their, their preferred drug of choice is. It's the only way they get pleasure is what a lot of these guys have told me. Sure. And so... That's not going to stop. You're never going to stop that until you can solve that problem at its root. So the demand for drugs isn't going to go away just because they've bombed the hell out of the cartels down in Mexico. So what's going to happen? Well, someone else is going to rise up to fill that need or some other product is going to rise up to fill that need. I remember you guys remember hearing about Crocodile back in the day. Yeah, oh, my God. Yep. That stuff was terrible. Remember that? Do you, can you describe what that was? Do you remember? Oh, it was like DNA altering stuff. People's People were like their bones were rotting out of their skin and stuff. You could see yeah. like their bone through their their skin was rotting. The flesh was rotting off of yeah, their body. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like something that was happening in Russia, if I recall correctly, where they were just like somebody cooked up some crazy mixture of like motor oil and like all kinds of household chemicals that they put well, that's together. that's where meth came from. <laughs> right? It was just a, a household chemicals yeah. that you so, could go get. And so like, you know, heroin's bad, but we don't know what's coming after it. Like if they actually did have some success, and they won't. They're going to fail and they're going to, you know, spend billions of dollars or hundreds of billions of dollars on trying to crush the cartels and they're going to fail and there's going to be a lot of death and there's going to be a lot of violence and, and major blowback. Can you imagine? Yeah. So like, you know, these good uh, Mexican people I, I I talk about that I work with that are right. like sending money home to their to their families and they're like, oh, my whole family got killed by the by the military. Right. You know, and we were and, just and, trying to cross the border so, and a drone bombed us. So a lot of these guys are literally military age, very fit mm-hmm. men that are single and don't have families. And when you just and there, when there, then and there's hundreds of thousands of them here. So you want to start bombing their family, their homeland. You you instantly have massive terrorist cell, you know, just, just Mexican waiting. terrorists, real Massive ones. Mexi- yeah, yeah, they're that, calling the cartels terrorists, but they're not. But, do, they're not doing what terrorists do. Just like Ron Paul explained, you know, the reason for nine eleven allegedly was because of all of these. You know, which I don't believe at one minute, but you know, I believe nine eleven was a hundred percent inside job. But uh, that you, you know, the, if you want to believe the official story that these you know nineteen Islamic Middle Eastern terrorists were very upset. 
uh, uh, about our freedom, which basically means that they're not upset about our freedom. They're upset that America has been destroying their homeland, destroying their their people, their loved ones, their families. You start to you start dropping bombs. America starts dropping bombs in Mexico. You're going to see places that have heavy Mexican population are going to go crazy. No, for sure. Absolutely. That would be the that would be an unprecedented blowback and the politicians love that stuff cuz they're like, "All right, now we got to ramp all this militarization uh up, you know, here." Need more and, bombs. And it's a good thing that we gave everybody um you know, every little city in America's got tanks and got military weapons and, you know, and then we're, we're going to need a whole bunch of U.N. peacekeepers from, from all over all the guys in Europe that, you know, um, that are in Ukraine right now that live. Uh, we now we need to get all those mercenaries into America to, to, to fight the fight the Mexican terrorists, because that's what's going to that's what you're going to create. It's insane. It's that's why I say it's really scary. What it is they're, uh, what they're proposing. Let's go to the phones here. Uh, Sahid is on the line in Maryland. Sahid, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hey, how you guys doing? What's so, on your mind? Uh, I've, no- I've noticed that uh, a lot of these issues that the government keeps on getting involved with, it's almost like, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty much already, uh, once, how, I don't really know how to phrase it, but basically it's, uh, it's doomed to fail, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it, it doesn't seem like they care. To be honest, it seems like it only adds to their, uh, you know, it's another checklist, uh, another thing that they can check off that they're uh, doing something, you know, sure. quote, unquote, doing something. Uh, and more and more people end up relying on it for some reason in the end. So I don't, I don't like. I feel like this list keeps on getting growing and growing every year, every decade. Of course, the military-industrial uh, complex has to keep manufacturing bombs, so they got to keep sending them somewhere. Yeah, and so I, I feel like uh, the argument that it's not going to work isn't that convincing in the long run, you know? Because that's kind of the point. That it's not gonna. I mean, it's, 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 they know that it's not. They gonna know work. it's not gonna work. Yeah, of course. This yeah. is just to get elected. It's just you know tough talk. Even if the, I don't even think the program's gonna get off the uh, off the ground because of the CIA that we were talking about earlier. I think that's gonna be enough of a political uh, you know, undercurrent to stop this from happening. Like they're gonna pull. They're gonna bend the ears of all these candidates once they get elected and say, yeah, that whole idea about bombing Mexico eh, ain't gonna happen. And that's going to be the end of it. It's just never going to go anywhere. But if it does, it'll be an absolute tragedy, and it will be absolutely insane. And mm-hmm. all the blowback that Jay was talking about will be uh, will be real. And you know, you want to talk about Americans dying because of uh, drug cartels? That's going to start. Yeah, the effects of that happen. won't go away anytime yeah. soon. It doesn't happen now. Like you were saying, Jay uh, Jeff Berwick points out, you go down to Mexico as a tourist, you're fine. Yep. You're going to have a great time. Uh, you're going to have some great food, get some sun, whatever. It's going to be fine. But if you are going down there with the intention of buying and selling drugs, you're probably not going to make it out alive. And that's just the reality of it. They don't target. They don't put heads on pikes of tourists down there. They don't do that yet. Right. But if you start mm-hmm. if you start in a, a bombing campaign an assassination campaign against uh, using the military against these cartels, they may decide It'd be a free-for-all. that uh, they'll start targeting average Americans at that point. And, and a lot of Mexican culture, uh, from what I can tell, sort of um, sees the uh, cartels as like uh, like heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, like Jeff Berwick talks a lot about like a, a lot of times like there was some like major disaster and one of these little villages got wiped out by a flood or something and who showed up to help them all out? The cartels. cartels. Not the government. The cartel yeah, did. The, the, yeah. the cartel's like, oh, we got this, you know, semi-truck loads of, like, new appliances and stuff for your mm-hmm. houses. And they brought in tons of lumber and they just, and, and, and they, and 
the people just started like rebuilding their village, right? And they were like so thankful that the cartel helped them out. I've heard this. I've heard of those so, stories. So the cartel has a huge grassroots support um, in in a lot of Mexico. Yeah, and what's going to happen as a result of that if they actually start this bombing campaign? Sahid, anything else you want to share? Oh uh, yeah, I was just uh, going to say that like, it just seems like the Overton window kind of like keeps on growing uh, in the wrong direction. And uh, I was, also, uh, you guys just uh, reminded me of something because I'm, I'm from Somalia. My family's from Somalia, mm-hmm. and uh, Al Shabaab is basically the same way. People kind of half the people see them as like uh, the good guys, and then you know, uh, but at the same time, it's it's all because of uh, U.S. foreign policy that they even exist, you know? Right. Um, and so it always it just continues to seem like it's moving in the wrong direction, and uh, not in the not you know it's not moving back uh, you know it's in the right direction. Yep, I think you're right about that. Uh, unfortunately, it's never going to move in the right direction at the federal level. I mean, it's just going to keep going bad until it fails, until the federal government, you know, falls apart. And hopefully that's going to be sooner rather than later. Otherwise, you know, secession, of course, is going to be the fastest way out. Uh, there's more coming up here. Thank you, Sahid, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. This is Free Talk Live. time for you right now you need to dial in at 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 here tonight it's ian matt and jay jay you got a fundraiser going on right now through your website jay noon that's j-a-y-n-o-o-n-e.com that is where people can go to learn a little bit more about man camp but what is man camp Man camp is, awesome. is is my idea to uh, restore confidence in mankind. So uh, basically, man camp is like a homeschool curriculum I put together to just teach kids how to do old school blacksmithing, uh, forging with a coal or propane forge, taking a piece of hot iron out of that out of that forge and banging it into something on an anvil. I uh, usually have kids make like a coat hook. We make uh, a squirrel cooker. Um, there's all kinds of things we can make. You can make a bottle opener, which is, you know, a little, you know, for older kids to make or adults just because it takes a lot of effort to make that. But uh, I'm trying to uh, run a man camp operation, bring all the tools, hire on some blacksmiths to help out uh, at Pork Fest this year. And uh, at jnoon.com, you can donate some cryptocurrencies. I haven't got a, a up there yet a, a thing to donate um you know, through, uh, you know, GoFundMe or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sort of working on that. It's tough when you don't have a bank account and, you know, can't no social security number. <laughs> you know, So you need to have a bank account before you can have one of those things. So that's why crypto works good. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to uh, basically raise about $5,000 by June 1st to put on Man Camp at Pork Fest. Um, it is a big deal it's to put it goal. up. And it is a big goal. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the thing is, is, uh, but you know, I, I sell a whole bunch of meat at pork fest cooked, mm-hmm. uh, and I really can't do both. Sure. And the last time I did man camp at pork fest, it was a major success. Everybody loved it, but it just cost me a bunch of money out of mm-hmm. my pocket. It was very expensive for me. So, um, that that's what I'm trying to do for uh, pork fest. And also I really want to encourage anyone to contact me who wants to produce their own or put on their own man camp event somewhere. So basically, if you are any kind of tradesman, you are a carpenter, you have, uh, you're into metalworking, you, you know, um, you have a forge and a welder, you know, in your garage or whatever, uh, any of this kind of stuff, getting some neighborhood kids to actually do something, uh, like making their own thing. The younger the kids, better. Like I had six-year-olds making, forging uh, a coat hook uh, out of just a piece of quarter-inch steel, 
and they are just so proud of their work. And, mm-hmm. and you know, everybody who every parents has had their kids basically do a man camp project. Um, it was just could not believe uh, just just how much of a positive result had in their kids' life. A little confidence boost. It's a big confidence booster, and and they just have a, a just a really good understanding of you know, of things like. You know, uh, you know, one of the kids is like in Hobby Lobby, and he's like, "Mom, I, I made a, a, you know, a thing like that at man camp. It was, you know, coat hook or something, or mm-hmm. a, a horseshoe um, coat rack. And how could they sell that thing for twelve dollars? It took me <laughs> an hour to make that, you know. And uh, but you know, it's it is it, yeah. just you know, it 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 brings more critical thought into life too. Once you, mm-hmm. as a young kid, you like actually forge something out of iron and realize what kind of effort and hard work and equipment it takes." Um, it really brings reality into perspective, and and there's just a lot of uh, adults now that have e- even have never had that experience. If you want to learn more about Man Camp, go check out uh, jnoon.com. It's j a y n o o n e dot com. There are donations uh, options there for cryptocurrencies. You got Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Monero, Dash, and like you said, you're working on other solutions for. They're taking options. fiat because that's the easy. The, most people, you know, are going to donate fiat. Unfortunately, such a, yeah. such a worthy endeavor. I just love Man Camp and the whole idea of Man Camp is just awesome. Yeah, I I'm hope it comes back. That. You know, I was th- I was tinkering. I, I like to tinker. You know, I was out in the garage working on my motorcycle for the last few days. I've just been enjoying the warm weather. I've spent yeah. a lot of time out there, and I set my valves on my dirt bike. And I was wondering how many people even know how to set the valves on their on their dirt bike, you know, like they're not self-adjusting. You have to get in there every once in a while and adjust them. And one of the bolts that you have to take out is a single use bolt and it has to be torqued to a certain (laughs) specification. And I was thinking how many guys even realize that there's such thing as a single use bolt. Is it like a brass bolt? No, it's a steel bolt, but it's a, it holds the, uh, it holds the, the, the stator rotor into the, under the crankcase. And it's, you know, when you torque that down once, the steel actually stretches a yep. little bit. Hmm. So if you go to loosen it, you can't use that again. It's a $20 bolt. Wow. No, so you got to make sure you get it right the first time. Now, how do you torque it down? Do average guys on the regular understand how to use a torque wrench or what a torque wrench is or that there's a thing called torque that's a measurement that, like, yeah. this bolt has to be a certain amount of tight? You can't just, like beat it down and crank it as hard as you can. It's got to be a certain tightness or things will go wrong. So a fastener, like a, a, a lug nut on your car is a, is a real good example. Mm-hmm. So I um, <clears throat> I knew a guy and he is got a pickup truck. He's a farmer friend of mine. I've known him for four, all my entire life almost. And I'm like 24 years old. And I remember this uh, and he has got a breaker bar and he is literally Ranking jumping up and down. <laughs> On the breaker bar, tightening up his lug nuts. And uh, I says, hey, man, you are going to boo-boo is actually what we call them. Hey, boo-boo. Uh, and that was his nickname. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'm like, you, you, you know that's a spring and you're over-tightening it. So a bolt or a stud is actually like a spring. So when you, like, torque a stud down, you could it actually flexes. It moves. But if you take, a, like, a spring and you just pull it as hard as you can, like a little spring, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it loses its springiness. It loses sure. its tension. Well, a bolt does the same thing when you over torque it. Hmm. So uh, he said about 150 miles later that his wheels fell off. That, I was going to say, yeah, they, that, you'll, you'll it break was them. A dually pickup truck. He um, and he had, and he's like, oh yeah, you told me. And he's like, I, I, I felt the truck shaking. I knew it was just going on. And he goes, oh, I could think of you saying, telling me that. So basically, he um, 
uh, so I sent him this thing that came from this company called um, uh, Redneck Axles, and they had like a whole <laughs> that, um, that that's what it was called. Uh, no, I'm sorry, De- Dexter Axle, but it was Redneck Trailers Parts. But Dexter Axle had this whole pamphlet on like how to properly torque an axle, and you, you should use like a lubricant on, on, on the threads and a certain kind of lubricant, which is basically like gear oil. Um, and, uh, you would tighten it to like, like the, the, the five eighths bolt required like 210 foot pounds of torque. And basically what that means, uh, 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 if you weighed 210 pounds and you stood on a, on a one foot wrench or a one foot away from where the, the nut is that you're tightening, that would be 210 foot pounds of torque. Hmm. So a torque wrench, what Matt is talking about, like the one that does 210 foot pounds is probably about, 26 inches long and you lean on it and it does a click when you get there well it's very important not to over tighten lug nuts and i see people do this often they'll be like on the side of the road you'll see some guy and he's just like you know standing on his on 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 his lug wrench changing his tire and like if you're doing that in a honda civic and you weigh like 200 pounds you're putting like 400 foot pounds of torque to that lug nut and you might just snap it right off but what's going to happen is you've now taken all the tension out of that bolt and your wheel's going to fall off. It's got nowhere to go. It's just going to break. Yep. The bolt will break. And and that's the number one cause of uh, wheels falling off. The number one cause is, is uh, not retorquing them or not tightening them up enough. And then the number two cause is over-torquing them. Tighten you know, them that, up too that's much. That's the kind of thing that, that you should be able to pick up at a place like Man Camp. People, the, stuff like that needs to be explained to, you know. We, we sort of Man Camped all summer long at our, uh, at, at you know, at my property. I had uh, a couple of interns and we just fixed a bunch of stuff, taught them how to weld. Uh, these guys use torque wrenches. You know, we did a head gasket on a tractor, and they, That's you know, huge. everybody kind of got into it and um, learned learned about it and understood the like. Did the, you reuse the old head bolts, or did you buy new head? No, uh, we put head studs in it. We studded it um, instead uh, of um, you know using the the, the factory style bolts. Uh, and 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 you're not supposed to reuse head bolts, right? A- a- they always tell you buy new head bolts because you know they've been seasoned. You know, the, 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 you know, this tractor, I don't know, 12,000 hours on the engine and how many times did it go from hot to cold and it's, you know, 40 year long life. Uh, so, yeah, you got to use new fasteners. You got to use new bolts. And if you do um, <clears throat> like over torque your lug nuts, some guys like, oh, a couple of them broke off. You, you need to replace them all, not just a couple of them mm. that broke. Look at all this man you can get from yeah. the man camp people. This and, is- and anybody who's got skills there's so many retired people. This really uh, upsets me. Like my um, my father in law, for example, he is was a mechanical engineer. Worked in nuclear power plants. Uh, like the guy helped me rebuild my entire house. He moved to Florida and he's just kind of watching TV, and that's all he's doing. And this guy is like, he he would be like the best shop teacher. Like he knows how to like use every woodworking tool. He knows how to weld. You know, he knows how to like use every kind of like he likes understands like bridge ports and laves and machining. And like, and it's just such a shame that he's just not teaching young kids, you know, just how to like do real things. Cause the guy knows all the skills and, um, yeah, he's just retired and he's just like hanging out in his pool and, you know, watching TV. That's what he does. Well, I mean, he, he probably worked hard up to that he, point. He, did. Right? he worked hard yeah. his whole life and, you know, had a very Can't good blame career. someone for wanting to take it easy after but a like, time. But yeah, he, I get the frustration. Shame. I, well, I, shame. I, I, give, I, I like to give him a hard time because, you know, I'd, I'd really like him to be around, you know, in, in, in a few more years up mm-hmm. north here uh, when his grandkids are ready to learn how to, yeah. you know, do learn the skills he has. Because actually he taught me a ton of stuff just working on my house with him. You know, he was just he was like so valuable um and uh and i learned a lot from him but like 
Yeah, there, but there's just a whole bunch of his generation, these guys that are in their 70s, that got tons of skills, know how to do all kinds of things, and, you know, they're Question not... Question is, they're how not, many young people want to learn that stuff, right? Yeah, it's few. It's fewer and fewer over time. What you got to start, like, when your kids are little. Mm-hmm. Like, like my kids, you know, my, my daughter's three, my son's, like, 19 months old, and... uh they just want to do whatever dad's doing. Sure. And I'm always doing farming stuff. I mean, we're, you know, my daughter's helping me uh, mulch a garden the other day. Uh, Both my kids were, they were helping me spread hay and mulch around. And I got a little garden tools from tractor supply for kids. And they're just so happy to use their garden tools. Like any tool that I have, uh, if I have it in their size and I'm using it, oh, they're using it. Like, actually, I got to get another wheelbarrow now because my kids are fighting over the kids' wheelbarrow. <laughs> uh, We've got one little kids' wheelbarrow. I got to uh, uh, get another one. And um, these are good problems to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I, I got my wheelbarrow and, you know, Cypress has got her wheelbarrow. That's adorable. And, and then Cash is like trying to fight Cypress for the wheelbarrow. <laughs> and I'm like, come over here, Cash. Help me with my wheelbarrow. Mm, and, you know, cute. And, uh, but th- it's um, <clears throat> by parking an internet device in front of them, n- none of them are going to want to do anything but internet. Sure. And when they're and whatever, w- when their brain is developing, you know that ninety percent brain development in the first six years of a of a child's life is so important to imprint into them, uh, basically work ethic. I think that's where it has to happen from, uh, because all of the kids Super I know, important. all of the kids I know that grew up. All the people I knew that grew up, at, their their parents were either entrepreneurs or farmers, and, and all farmers are entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Those kids have work ethic. Yep. Those kids yep. have skills because, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you quite likely have to take your kids to work with you. In fact, the little all-in-one right, you know, down the road from my house, yeah. um, convenience store. The one of the, the the one of the owners uh, had his uh, four-year-old and his two-year-old in there with him because uh, his mom's you know mom's working and he's got to go to work at you know the store they own. And, um, and yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. Whereas somebody that's just got a job, they can't take their kids to, yep. uh, to work and they're usually complaining probably about work at home. Yep. And yep. so it's a whole different They come mindset. home and they're complaining and then that teaches the kid, oh, whatever work is must really Sucks. suck. And, and, and then if your mom and like corporate, you know, careerist parents, mom and dad are both, both working, yep. they're dropping a kid off at daycare. Sure. And daycare, to be raised by who knows who. Uh, daycare, like some of these daycares, um, <clears throat> fr- uh, well, one of our uh, friends, I uh, got a corporate job and is was paying like, I don't know, it was like $3,800 a month to send his three kids to daycare. Wow. And it was like a deal because he was sending three kids to daycare. He's, uh-huh. he's got a couple of twins and the other ones, but they're not in daycare now. All the kids are teenagers. But at the daycare, one of the things was, is you had to provide a specific tablet uh for the um uh, for the daycare the daycare is like oh your, your kid needs its own tablet and you mm. have to provide as part of going to daycare that's because at the daycare they just basically want to use this tablet as a pacifier and a right. babysitter and basically zombie daycare yeah, and, and 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 the kids are just you know wow. you know that's what they're doing that's, i don't know if every crazy. daycare is like that but this particular daycare i bet more of them are the than than ever uh jay you had brought in a story tonight you thought was pretty important i want to make sure we get a chance to cover it about a dairy uh, farm that has had its facilities caught fire. What happened? So I've I've uh, scanned through a few different reports on this. I heard about this on uh, one of the uh, podcasts I was listening to uh, this morning, and uh, so it's in the Panhandle of Texas. I I said Lubbock, Texas before, but I'm not sure if that's exactly where it is. Mm-hmm. In the articles, they actually mention a few different towns, but this is a a dairy farm that has eighteen thousand milking cows. That's a big farm, right? 
That is, that is huge. Massive. 18,000 cows. Now, I worked on this farm. You guys can check out this farm on uh, YouTube that I worked on in Colorado. Mm-hmm. It's called Lost Creek Dairy. Lost Creek Dairy was uh, set up to milk 6,200 cows. Okay. Um, and uh, when I was there, I was last there in, I think, 2016. And they weren't quite at 6,200. They were, you know, a new dairy just opened. So you can't just, you know, run these things at full capacity. Um, but they had, I think, 4,800 milkers when I was there, but they had over 12,000 cows wow. in total okay. because each cow that's milking has a calf. Mm. And so what they do is they uh, try, they keep the, the heifer calves, the female calves, because they they'll be next milking. And um, this particular, most of these dairies, they use uh, artificial insemination. And then what they use is a, um, they call it sexed semen. So they can actually, it's like a 99% chance you're going to get a female cow, a heifer, as the uh, calf. And then you'll have some dry cows. So, you know, the cows will, you know, lactate for, you know, about nine months and then they're, and then they're dry, and a couple months late, you know, two to three months later, they'll they'll have a calf, and then they'll, right after they have the calf, they start lactating. Okay. So this cat, this dairy that has eighteen thousand milk cows, uh, was licensed to have thirty two thousand five hundred head in total. Wow. How how what, what how, I can't even imagine. I, like I've seen dairies, a big dairy to me is two hundred and fifty cows. Right. You know that, you, those you dairies can't head. operate anymore. Um. <clears throat> But so one of the things that caught my attention about this, they said it was an explosion. Um, it, this is Castro County, uh, which is in the panhandle of uh, Texas. Okay. And uh, they said it was an explosion from methane gas. Now, <clears throat> these, uh, and, and, and some of the pictures, and I watched a couple of videos about this dairy where it was basically it was just drone footage, like afterwards, like the barn is all still intact. It doesn't look like anything's destroyed. Now, it's a big, what they call, freestall barn. This is like acres and acres of like a stable where the sides are all open. And a lot of times they have big fans. Mm. And then they said all 18,000 cows were in a holding pen. We're getting ready to get milked. Now, I, I, I don't know how long these guys, how often they milk, but the Lost Creek Dairy, when I was there, they were milking uh, three times a day. So those guys wouldn't put all 6,200 cows or whatever, 4,800 cows or whatever it was, uh, in the same pen to milk them, they the they had like different herds, you know, like kind of uh, all over the dairy, and they would, you know, there would be a, a guy who would he he would be the forwarder guy. He would the, these guys would go and they would forward the cows into the pen as they were milking, because it takes you know, it probably takes you like six hours or seven hours to get through a milking. You have to get three really? of these. Well, when you're milking eighteen thousand cows. You have to get through three of these milkings per day. I assume they're milking three times a day and not twice. You get mm-hmm. a lot more milk production um, uh, when you milk three times a day. And so what they would do, they would go around, send in a, you know, several, uh, 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 this pen, and they wouldn't totally take and, like, mix all the cows together all the time. They kind of kept all the, all the like, they had, like, uh, Last Creek Dairy had, you know, I don't know, 10 or 12 or maybe even 15 different, like, pens for the cows. And so these cows would come out of pen A, go into the milk room, and then be lined up to milking. And then there would be this gate that they would call it a floating gate. What it would do, it was um, 
that would go along between the two herds of cows. And then like the cows from pen B would go in behind them once they were almost done milking all the cows from like pen A, you know, would just keep on going for this thing because you don't want the cows just standing for hours waiting to be milked in a holding pen. You want the cows in their pen, being able to lay down and be comfortable in their bedding and being able to eat and drink their water because these, these guys want these cows to eat and drink as much as possible because that's how they produce a lot of milk. Now, I refer to these big commercial um, dairy operations as utter pus factories. Uh, that's what I call them because they're, the gal, cows are producing like 120 pounds a day at these huge commercial outfits where they're pumping hormones to them and then they're just mm-hmm. st- just hammering them with all kinds of very harsh, high starch feeds and brewer's grain, all kinds of stuff to make these cows produce a lot of milk. Um, and b- actually, based on the numbers, these 18,000 cows on one of the reports said produce 2.2 million pounds per milk per day, which actually is like 125 pounds of milk per cow. Wow. Now, that's a Holstein, which is sort of a man-engineered hybridized cow, uh, like a, a Jersey cow, for example, or a brown Swiss, which are like heirloom cows. Those cows might produce 40 pounds a day of milk, mm-hmm. um, but they're like, you know, organic, like, you know, heritage cows. Um, so there's a couple of factors with this thing here. I think... Um, there's definitely some fishy business with 18,000 cows, all 18,000 cows dying Mm. because of an explosion, which I find very odd. Uh, no survivors. Right. Very few, apparently, according to one report I'm looking at. Yeah. Like, well, one, I said all of them were dead. Now, did they walk around and euthanize all the cows that didn't, you know, that were suffering? Could that have happened? Did ones die off later? Now, here's the thing with dairy cows, especially Holstein's. If you just look at them the wrong way, they'll die on you. They're, they're like sort of fragile. You really <laughs> got to pay attention to them. And, uh, you know, like if you miss a milking, uh, it'll mm-hmm. screw your whole herd up. And then like they'll get like mastitis. You got to uh. put them on like, um, you know, you got to put them on like uh, uh, antibiotics or medication. If you don't do that, the the infection in their udders, it, 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 oh, it can turn yeah. into a disaster. Like like dairymen really, really have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And and they do. And this is, you know, how you know what has to happen. But so it, I, I kind of think that, you know, a farm like this would have a whole bunch of investors mm-hmm. uh, because it's huge. I mean, to, to the, the, just yeah. just to feed Lost Creek Dairy, we put up like 140,000 tons of just corn silage last year. I was there, maybe a little more. I don't remember the exact numbers, but like I said, they had like almost 12,000 cows and they would. Uh, and then we, you know, put up, I don't know. 30, 40,000 tons of this like triticale and sorghum and, you know, hay in these like silage bunkers. That's one of the jobs I did out there was I'd operate, um, is uh, I was, uh, working on a, a harvest crew, just harvesting forage for dairies. Okay. And then they feed a whole bunch of corn. They get semi truck loads of hay, you know, just, just hundreds of thousands of tons of hay, uh, go into that operation. And like right now, especially in the panhandle of Texas, I was just looking at some Texas agricultural hay market reports. And like hay's like you know two hundred and sixty to three hundred dollars a ton for dairy hay right now, which is a lot of money. Um, it, it is uh, uh it, and and like uh, the grain, the electricity, the amount of diesel fuel you need, and labor to run a dairy operation. So the cost of running a dairy is going up, but the price of milk is stagnant or going yeah, it's, down. It's basically like eighteen dollars a hundred weight for like a month ago. I I didn't find anything like accurate for today, but uh. You know, in 2007, for example, um, you know, uh, in, in, uh, milk was like 23 or $24 a hundred weight. And then there's even some things in the 80s where milk was like, you know, in 
in the high teens that these farmers were getting, you know, for the 100 weight of milk. 100 weight of milk is like almost 12 gallons of milk. So these guys got 18,000 cows they're not making any money on. They got to be losing money hand over fist. I mean, with. You think this is insurance fraud? Well, I think it's pretty convenient for the, you know, for the investors. I mean, it could be. I, I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I mean, just the fact that 18,000 of them died in an explosion and they were all like jammed together in one spot for the explosion. I I mean, was there a massive cold snap in the panhandle of Texas when they happened and they had them all inside of a barn? Because Texas is hot and cows, when they're together, they need to be cooled down. Like, mm. like, like you, even in a winter time when you got, you know, 25 cows in like a regular New England barn, they got half the windows open all the time. And, and did they, might- they have all of the farm's fertilizer right in the middle of those 18,000 cows? I mean, this is also convenient for the whole like cow farts are bad thing, you know, that's true. Stuff, that's true. right? So I, you know, I don't know, but it basically it was an explosion from methane. I mean, oh, a little conspiracy uh, theory there. It sounds maybe. pretty. It could be a little. Uh, uh, I don't know, but I imagine if you look into the numbers of this particular dairy operation, if you could do that, it, you know, um, you would see. I that think the tail of the tape would be: Are they going to rebuild it or not? Are just going to take the money and run? They mm-hmm. take the money and run. How much massive debt do they have right now? You look at a year of $6 diesel fuel, right? That's right. That is insane. All that equipment uses Fertilizer's all kinds going of fuel. up and... Yeah, so, like, the fertilizer is, like, you can't even... Like, farmers can't even get loan... Can't even buy enough fertilizer to do what they usually do because a lot of their, like, loan requirements are like, oh, here, you get X amount of dollars for fertilizer this year. Because most of these big farms, they're just farming off of credit. Uh, you know, you know, they, uh, ban- banks are certainly run, you know, you know, running the whole thing, and they're like, oh, the fertilizer is six hundred dollars a ton, where you know it's been a hundred dollars a ton. It, it, all the inputs are insanely high, and there's not money to be made in it. I bet That's you, smart, I bet you, dairy had a lot of debt. Interesting theory. Uh, check out Jay over at jaynoon.com, J-A-Y-N-O-O-N-E.com. If you want to contribute to Man Camp, and we will be back tomorrow online. In the meantime, you can join us over at freetalklive.com. We'll see you tomorrow. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com